All right. Thanks for listening to the My Age Podcast, a podcast that brings you conversations with people from all walks of life using music to plot a map from their early years to how they got to where they are now. I uh, hope you're doing well. Um, quick check-in with me, I guess. Uh, the day... Bef- a couple of days before this was released, actually, Cody turned two, uh, which, looking back on it, has been the most fucking wildest ride imaginable, or unimaginable, I guess, because you never know what you're in for. Um, so, shout-out. Shout-outs are definitely in order. So, what's up, Cody? Happy birthday. Hopefully... You'll listen to this one day and think Dad's not such a nerd, but um, we'll see how we go. Um, what else? Shitty news. Um, anyone who knows me knows I have a, had a pug, pug named Chuck, um, and unfortunately had to use the word had because he completely unexpectedly died last week. And I'm going to say the very least that she hit Nicole, not, Nicole and I like a ton of bricks. Um, when, when I was younger, anyhow... I heard someone um, throw around some weird comment like, you're not a man until you've gone through the process of burying your own pet. And I'll be the first to admit that comment's full, filled with landmines that I don't, don't have the expertise to even break apart or tread lightly through, but for some reason it's always stuck with me. Um, and burying Chuck was hands down one of the hardest things I've had to do. And I guess whether I realise it or not, well, I kind of probably will realise it, but... Um, I know the experience has kind of definitely changed me. Um, look, it's, it's only been a week, and my head's still kind of spinning from it all, but I'm sure I'll look back at this week and kind of pinpoint it as the moment that things became, like, a little different. A little, I can't, I don't know, maybe a little harder. Not in the, not in the kind of tough sense, but, like, the, you know, emotionally harder sense. Anyhow, so, look, rest in peace, buddy. Um... You'll be missed more than you'll probably ever understand. Um, yeah, so that's a thing. One thing before I talk about today's guest, um, in a fortnight after the episode airs, uh, the Resist Records 20th anniversary show is going to be on, and it's going to be—it's fuck. It hasn't—it hasn't sold out yet, but it couldn't be far off it. Um, and if you miss this, you'll literally miss your last chance to ever see Last Nerve. Um, no bullshit, they aren't doing another show. Like I've had confirmation left, right, and centre. Um, from several members saying that this is it. We've been offered other shows and they turned them all down. So, you know, get your shit into gear, get a ticket, come and hang out, say good day. Um, we can share a water. That'd be great. Uh, I've got a bunch of medium-sized taken side shirts, which I posted on, on a couple of social media pages. Um, some leftover shirts from taken sides that we did a few, a lot of fuck when it last, sun last year. Um, they're only mediums, um, come in two colours. If you check the Resist Records 20th anniversary page, you can see a post I'll put in there about them. Um, if you're interested, look, they're 20 bucks. There's only about a dozen or so, and all the money goes towards Ricky Taylor's kids, Kai and Brixton. Uh, so hopefully we can kind of give those guys a couple of bucks before Christmas rolls around so they can buy some mad shit. Or, um, do some mad shit, whatever. Um... Cool. Okay, so today's guest, singer of Last Nerve and Vigilante, Dave Immers, and bass player in Bad Blood. Look, my love of Last Nerve runs very deep, which I'm, I'm pretty sure we touch on in this episode, so I won't go too much into it now. But um, it was super exciting to hang out with Dave as and have this chat, because 
Basically, he's a really reserved guy, and he's always been very straight to the point, and that comes across in his podcast. He even mentions it in his podcast. Um, so to have the chance with him, and even to convince him to have a chat for nearly three hours, um, was pretty fantastic. And you know, it was wasn't something he definitely jumped on straight away, but eventually warmed to it. Uh, but basically, he's he had a proviso, which was we have to do it right, we have to do it face to face, and we have to cook dinner. So basically. I headed down one night um, to Dave's place in Dremoyne uh, with his wife Belle and they cooked this ridiculously fantastic vegan Mexican feast which we talked about at the start of the episode just quickly um, and we, we were so full by the time we hit record um, yeah it was we probably should have recorded and then ate but then it would, the food would have been so cold so it is what it is um, him and Belle his wife have been a huge I guess influence and guide and light for me in regards to trying to cook new things and um, easing into man- maintaining a plant-based diet, which, which I guess thank- with thanks to them and Jed Gordon, um, six weeks into being vegan and totally all about it. Uh, I've been vegetarian for the last eight and a half years and decided it was time to go all in. So that's me in a nutshell. Feel free to ask me if ever you see me how I'm going with it because um, I'm stubborn in a sense that. If someone knows about it, they'll um, and they ask me about it, then I'll feel bad to say, "Hey, I don't do it anymore" or whatever. So, I'm sure I'll keep going with it. But yeah, you know, something to talk about with me if you feel the need. Um, anyhow, some quick housekeeping. Uh, we talked about Civ, the band Civ, and I said they made a film clip for "Set Your Goals," which they didn't. It was actually a uh, film clip for the song "Wait One More Minute More," or "Can't Wait One Minute More." Sorry. Um, so that's the housekeeping. Look, if you think this show's worth a dollar, send it my way. If not, all good. I still love you. Uh, small $1 donations or even more if you're inclined to help so much. And, you know, it kind of keeps the lights on here. Not the provoke, like the, I guess the digital lights. It kind of helps helps in a way you probably, you know, you might get like just monthly fees here and there for keeping this easy access and that kind of thing. Um, it's never expected. It's always appreciated paypal.me slash myagepodcast send a dollar send more don't have to if you don't want to all good either way um so with that i won't keep it too long because i've already been talking for too long and this episode goes for about nearly three hours so yeah anyhow with that get comfortable because as they as they all seem to be of late uh this one's a pretty long one kill Alrighty, My Age Podcast, episode number 27. Um, welcome to the 27 Club. Today's uh, today's guest is someone who we've been friends with for a very long time and who I've twisted the arm of pretty much since day one to get on and almost two years into it. Two years into it, yeah. I've got him here. His name's Dave Immers. He fronted, in my humble opinion, the best hardcore band Australia's ever produced and he's now blushing, but that's okay. Um, last nerve, um, and we will. Pro- I'm sure we're going to go deep with that because I'm going to ask him questions that I've never had the guts to ask him before because it was would have been too weird to fanboy out. So, um, Dave Immers, what's going on? Uh, not much. I'm a bit shocked on those words, but no, uh, dude, I speak the truth. Oh, well, we all hear things through different ears, don't that's, we? That's true. So, um, to set the scene, we're start wearing uh, Dave's lovely lounge room in Dremoyne. Dremoyne, thank you. Um, we've got posse numbers 04. 04 playing, yes. In the it's background. Return of Slapshot. Yep. 
My favourite hairdresser. Hairdresser, not barber. Hairdresser. Not barber, hairdresser. <laughs> We've just had the most next level vegan Mexican feast, um, which you helped helped out with. Yeah, yeah, team effort. Team effort. 50-50 or did Belle put a bit more effort in? No, it, it's usually 50-50 but cool. uh, Belle takes over. She, yeah, cool. But I let her at yeah. the same time. I'm not putting up a fight. So. Yeah. And then we finished it off with sweet potato... Chocolate cake. Chocolate fudgy brownie kind of cake. Yeah, with uh, vanilla ice cream. Which was hectic, like fantastic. Yeah, top notch. Yeah, done well. Compliments to the chef. We only do things well around here. We, we strive. Yep, strive for greatness. We do. Achieve greatness. Yeah, we, do, yeah, we don't strive. Yeah, we achieve it. We just do it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, you've heard, we've, we've, yeah, we talk about this all the time, so you've heard a bunch of episodes you know how it works? I do. Let's, I do. One of my favourite podcasts. Thank Never you, miss sir. it. Thank you, sir. Up there with the uh, elite bunch. Axe I, to grind. Yeah, axe to grind. Rich roll. Yes. Yes, yes. 10% happier. A few of the, the bangers in my life. The classics. Yeah. Um, and Dave showed me from a distance the notes he's made, which makes me heap stoked. Like, he's ready. We're ready to do this. Yeah, that's right. I'm here to achieve greatness. That's it. That's it. That's what it's all about. All right, so... Tell me about the early years. Tell us about your parents, your, your background, the whole kit and caboodle. Ah, well, um, my mum was born in the country. Um, she moved in, she was born in Condoblin in far west New South Wales. Yep. Was, um, and then her family had a, like a general store out there and then they moved to Sydney when she was about 10 years old. And then so they had another store in Earlwood, in, um, kind of near Canterbury. And they had that general store for her whole life and she was an only child and grew up in that area. And um, my dad was born in Germany. Um, he lived there until he was about 19. Okay. And then his brother actually came out to Australia. My uncle came out to Australia probably about, I think it was two years before he did. And they just wanted to change. They just... They travelled around a bit in Europe, like holidays to Italy and through Austria and stuff. Like They're like day trips for them. Yeah. But they really wanted something different. And then I don't know why my uncle came out here, but um, my dad followed. And from the trip out out here on the back on the boat, that's how it was back then. Jesus, that's a big old trip. Yeah, that's like a six-week trip, I think it was. Fuck. So there was a crew of, um, a crew of Germans. From all over Germany that were living in um in a block of flats. Oh, kind of like it was like two terraces joined together in Stanmore. Okay. On um Stanmore Road there. And you know, some of them stayed, some of them went, some of them my dad stayed in touch with. Some of them he hasn't. Yeah, we've lost some, but yeah, my dad stayed and um I'm not sure how, I think it was through mutual friends. Um, my dad met my mum at, they used to have these local dances because, yeah. you know, back then. That's what you did. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. And so, um, my dad would help out with the shop and deliveries and stuff like that. And my parents just got together and they, um, you know, came time to buy a place and Sydney was too expensive. Okay. So, um, some friends, uh, some school friends of my mum, they actually bought, uh, a place at Lapston in the Blue Mountains, which is kind of the first town of the mountains, but you don't actually drive through it. Yeah, it's just off the beaten track kind of. Oh, not the yeah. beaten track, but yeah, off the track. Yeah, just off, yeah. just off to the side there. But you don't actually drive through it. And then 
my parents thought, oh, well, that could be an option as well. So they ended up buying a house at Blacksland, which is like, like 60 bucks. Yeah, something like that, yeah. which was like still four years' yeah, wages. Yeah, four years' worth of work, yeah. At, I think it got up to 17% interest rates or something yeah. crazy like that. The, so the happier times, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, well, when they bought the place, it was just bush. There was nothing else yeah, around. there would have been nothing there. Yeah, so in the early 70s and stuff when there was the bushfires, like they were generally... Just wiped everything out. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you they drive up, pack up the pets pack up the few, the photos, photo albums and drive up to the local football field and just sit there and wait. And, you know, you just hope your house doesn't doesn't go. So Did they ever lose a house? No, they didn't. But, Fuck. but not long after that, um, the urban sprawl just, you know, started growing and yeah. growing and there's just more and more houses popping up. So, yeah. Yeah, and then so that's where they pretty much laid their foundations and started a family there. So for anyone that's <clears throat> for anyone that's maybe not well for anyone's not in Sydney but knows about Sydney bushfires like when there's a Sydney bushfire that's generally like the Blue Mountains is generally one of the areas that cop it like in my mind like whenever there's a big bushfire it's it's always going to be something out there for whatever reason would you agree with that or like, oh totally that's yeah, huge yeah well, that area is just there's just bushland for for yeah, days yeah it's huge yeah. So. It's not surprising when a fly when a fire starts. I mean, it can go for days, weeks, yeah, in the right conditions there. Yeah, especially around. I always remember, like around Christmas time, or you know, obviously the the start of summer, and yeah, it's just yeah. As soon as it starts to heat up a bit, yeah, shit goes crazy. Well, even now, when the weather's all over the place, so yeah, it can happen any time of year now. It's fucking insane. Yeah. So they met by, from working at your mum's your mum's or your grandparents' general store. No, through via mutual friends at the dances. Oh, sorry. Okay, you force you. Yeah, yeah. So um, there was a few of my dad's friends that um, met and married um, Australian girls. Yeah. And then they're the ones, some of the ones that hung around. And actually, last week we found out um, some good friends of ours. Um, um, a guy named Gunter. Gunter. No, yeah. <laughs> that's, Funny name, but that's pretty traditional. Yeah. But top bloke, yeah. He unfortunately passed away and he was oh. one of my um parents' closest friends from back in those days. So okay. yeah, it was a bit sad, but I mean that's Did you know him? Yeah, we we yeah. met them a bunch of times, stayed at their place. They actually lived on the central coast. Okay. Um they had I think it was uh electrical business and they um we knew their kids and stuff like that. So Yeah. But yeah, they um pretty much did the same thing as my parents did, but just in a different area. And yeah, yeah. So did you? Did your old man have a good grasp of English, or did you get here with nothing and kind of picked it up from nothing? Yeah, so right. My dad, um, he finished school at fourteen. So was that this? Was that? I mean, obviously, you probably would go to school for longer, but was that a common thing or like? No, not at all. So okay. in their family, um, they pretty much got jobs for the kids that would help the family and. Okay. My uncle was lucky because um, he got to pick to be a draftsman. That's what he wanted to do. So he got to do that. Yep. And then it turns out my parents, um, my grandparents needed someone to fix the car, the Beetle. So um, yep. my dad got told he was going to be a mechanic and he wasn't going to school much anyway from okay. what he's told me. So any, I don't think he ever enjoyed it. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure in hindsight he would have enjoyed school more than Fixing um, cars. Fixing cars, especially in winter in Germany. So oh. so by the time he um, 
he came out here, he was well and truly over being a motor mechanic. Yeah. But he ended up going back to it out of just necessity you, yeah, for the just fam. As, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how did he pick up English? Well, like, was there just, again, like, just head first, yeah. I've got to learn this? Just yeah. going, just finding jobs around here and, yeah, yep. mingling with the, the locals. Did your mum learn German? No, not at all. Oh, she knew a bit because once they got married, my parents, um, for their honeymoon, they went back to Germany for a year. Okay. And, um, yeah, so she's, while my dad and my grandfather went to work um, during the days, my mum was at um, pretty much at home with my grandma. Right. And they would cook because my parents, my grandfather and my dad would come home from work for lunch. Okay. The German way kind of thing and have yep. lunch and then they'd be back in the afternoon as well, so... They'd be preparing food and just wasn't that much to do back then. They, it's not as though they were browsing the internet or going shopping or they weren't. Yeah, Instagram you know. or Black Friday sales. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. So they had a year over there, and then part of that was because they um, travelled by boat. They kind of did a world trip. Okay. So they saw a bit of the world on the way there and the way back. And yeah. And my dad managed to um, miss conscription to Vietnam via that so because he was traveling or yeah a bit well they had the um they had the honeymoon plan so right i mean it could have gone either way yeah really but after my grandfather was a was a pow in north africa for a bit so after hearing his stories and stuff he was none too interested no didn't buy the propaganda no he just didn't want to get involved in any of that shit so and i don't blame him so yeah, so he managed to um, go to work instead. Yeah. Hectic. Insane. Um, are they musical? Like, is there, was there instruments? Like, were they playing? Do they play instruments? Like, Yeah, so... The tuba, maybe? No, not the tuba, no. unfortunately. But that would be a funny side, I yeah. reckon. Yeah. My mum actually learnt to play the piano when she was a kid. Okay. So they had a piano in there. I'm pretty sure they had one in their house out west in Condoblin. But when she moved to the city, I think they got a piano from a neighbour or something like that. And my okay. mum's still got the same piano. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's moved, It's only moved a couple of times because they've only moved houses twice. But she recently got it tuned actually and yeah. she's been playing every day since. Sick. So Fantastic. So she, she tried to allocate like half an hour, an hour a day. Yeah. And she just gets lost with it. And an hour and a half later she's still going and That's loving awesome. it. So, yeah, she's kind of... Um, come full circle a bit, but yeah, she she learnt like she did all the scales and yeah, learned a lot of classical pieces and stuff like that. And I think because her mum, kind of, I don't know if she pressured her to do it, but encouraged her to do it. And yeah, as I said before, there wasn't that much to do back then, so yeah. it's not as though you were strapped for time. Yeah, like everyone seems to be these days. Nowadays, so. yeah, yeah. But then um, we we always had a guitar in the house and I never really knew the story about it when I was younger. But Okay. Um, Just like a nylon? Uh, classical guitar, like yeah, a yep. Spanish classical guitar. Yeah, yeah. Nylon strings. And my dad um, my dad actually um, bought it from a musical music store in Bankstown in like I think it was 75. I don't know why I remember that year but yeah. I'm pretty sure it was 75. And so when um, when my, my older brother and I started growing up, for some reason, my brother started to learn the piano. I'm pretty sure he didn't like it. Yeah. But then after that experience and him quitting, for some reason I got to play the guitar because there was a guitar there. Sick. Yeah, so 
I was kind of lucky to be the uh, the second son in that case because yeah, I uh, yeah. actually didn't have to deal with the piano. Yeah, the piano stuff, yeah. Because I would have hated that. Yeah. It's one of those – I definitely learnt piano when I was growing up and it was one of those – my parents went into it with a um, – and, like, I, like it's – yeah, I would say – I'd say this to anyone who asked me, like, piano is one of those instruments where you can play that, you can take that – you can take that skill, not the actual technique – but everything you learn about playing piano, you can move to any other instrument because every instrument's easy after you play the piano. Really? Yeah. Because – and the concept behind that – well, every is a bit of a stretch, but like your right hand and left hand are doing two different things yeah. that are both musical, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Where if you're playing guitar, one hand's strumming and it's just doing one thing Yeah. and the other hand is doing a different pattern but it's only one note – well, you know, ace, one hand's making the notes – same with bass, where piano is like two completely different things. It's like patting your head and rubbing your tummy. That's not how I played bass. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. One string, well, one uh, note. Yeah, that's yeah, all you true, need. True. So, okay. What? Hold on. What was you? What was you? Was your dad a guitarist back in Germany? No, not at all. So he just patted up one day, walked into Bankstown. I don't know what the motivation was behind it, but yeah, yeah bought the guitar. Yeah. I don't know if he. I don't. I don't think he. He wouldn't have. Had the money for lessons. Yeah, I don't think any of his mates are into it. Really, I don't. He didn't have real, real close so, social circle of friends, so I don't think they were like, you know, putting together hardcore bands or yeah. anything like that. So or proto hardcore bands. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Back yeah. in the seventies. <laughs> but no, and it kind of just sat there on. You know, it was always just sitting in the corner of the lounge room. Yeah, like in a prominent position where you ha- had to walk past it all the time. But it was there. But no one ever played it. Okay. Yeah. Probably had the same strings on it. From the day you bought it? Yeah, yeah. for over 10 years, yeah. yeah. Built to last, mate. Pretty much. Sick. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't snap after a few of those hot Western Sydney summers. Yeah, but, uh, brutal. Yeah. But yeah, no. All right, so what were they listening to then? So my mum has always been into musicals and stuff like that. So cool. she would always yep. have, um, I don't know, a mix of different stuff that would move with the times, whether it was something like Cats or, I don't yep. know, like 42nd Street or just random yeah. kind of stuff that she always liked. And she did have some classical stuff, but my dad always had some rock and roll. And okay. he always had – I haven't looked through their records for a long time, but they had – or he had – actually, I don't know if it's they or he because <laughs> I don't know who purchased them and who actually yep. claims who to it? own them. Yeah, yeah but – um, he had a bunch of like British rock okay. and, and one of those was um, it was like a five LP comp called the British Rock Explosion. Five LP? Yeah. Okay. And um, it was – I think it was – hang on. I think it was actually f- ten LPs. Jesus. It was like a double roll of. Hmm, let me think. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. So there was like all the all the music he was listening to was English, not English as in the location, but English native tongued rock and roll nah, stuff. As in England, like from England. No, but so like, but like in like there was no German. There was oh no, no German stuff. No, so so back when he was in Germany, when they would go out. To clubs and bars and stuff. Yeah. 
the area where he was born in Augsburg in Germany was a big uh, military base there as well. Okay. Like a lot of Germany in that time, kind of the mid-60s. Was that because your grandfather was a – was it served or – No, 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 just no. – just it just there was, was military bases everywhere pretty okay. much and a, a lot of Americans everywhere and because of that there was a lot of rock and roll. Right. And they'd okay. go out to clubs and stuff like that. And, and then I'll be playing that. Yeah, rock yeah. and roll and f- fighting Americans pretty much. They were the, drinking nice beer and yep. yeah, fighting and stuff like that. So they um he was pretty up on a lot of American rock and roll and okay. British rock and roll, but for some reason there was a lot of British stuff in there. And this one comp that he had it was um, – I've got a photo now of the, of the, the track, track list. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, 100 Golden Greats. So it was actually – That's a lot of songs. Yeah, so it was It was five LPs and it was about ten – it was ten songs each side. Yeah. And, um, I mean, there was stuff from the Mersey Beats, Jerry and the Pacemakers. Yep. Um, the Casuals, the Trogs. Um. Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas, like stuff that I'd never even heard of. But yeah. it was this comp that for some reason, and I don't know why, as kids, and I remember in our first house in Blackson, we used to always put this one of these records on. Okay. And we just used to mix it up. I, I'm pretty sure we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> Good, And yeah. my parents had this one stereo and I don't know if the tape player ever really worked, but yeah. we didn't really have many tapes. It was all It was all records, lineups. yeah. Not a lot, but... Um, what was there I thought was at the time that was music. I mean, besides yeah. the radio, which we really didn't get use. much of a run of. Yeah, no, not at all. Like only if we were desperate. But yeah. And that kind of leads into the first song that I actually remember as a kid that pretty yeah. much changed my life. It would have been the first rock and roll that I ever heard. Yeah. And it's um a song called a song from Herman's Hermits. Good. And it's called um I'm Henry the Eighth I Am. Second verse, same as the first. I'm Henry the Eighth, I am. Henry the Eighth, I am, I am. I got married to the widow next door. She's been married seven times before, and everyone was an Henry. She wouldn't have a Willie or a Sam. I'm a eighth old man, I'm Henry. Henry the Eighth, I am.
So, like, I know, I'm sure I know Herman's Hermit songs because my old, that was right in my old man's wheelhouse. I don't think I've ever heard that before, but we were talking as we listened to it. Well, you you just you tell me what you said before you retell what you just said. Uh, for some reason, the, obviously the tune just sticks in my head, but I always just thought it was funny, and I'm sure my dad had to explain to me what's going on in the song. But it's just got nothing to do with the king. It's just another yeah. dude called Henry, and the woman next door had married seven other blokes called Henry, and he just happened to be the eighth. And um, so he just come in as Henry the Eighth. Nothing to do with the king. No, nothing to do with the king. Like I'm, I'm sure yeah. he's got his merits, but yeah, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Yeah, I'm yeah, giving the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, but that tune just it stuck with you. Yeah, yeah. See, for some reason, yeah, I no idea why. What other were there any other songs that were kind of that may have made the list from that um from that or especially that LP or that five the comp? If I would have listened to it. Potentially, but yeah. If you say that, if my someone showed me that LP or said that LP, that's the first thing you go on to. First thing, yeah. Every time, see. Every time, I can even picture like where the stereo was in that house, yeah, and playing the records and stuff. I remember once. I think I don't know if I was allowed to touch the records after this. Yeah, we all had that moment. I pulled one out of the sleeve, dropped it, sliced my toe open. Oh shit! And I probably the same. Same listening session potentially, but uh, yeah, yeah. See my my like you can't touch records anymore because it was like because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, and I thought it was cool to make a scratchy noise. Oh yeah, right. Which so Ooh. dad was like, yeah, shut yeah. that down. I'm with dad on that. <laughs> yeah, oh dude, same here, <laughs> same here. Yeah, sick. All right, so living in uh, born in your forty this year. I am. Or do you want me to, I can edit that out if you want. Oh, no, I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Can't stop the numbers you don't, over. You don't look a day over 30. I still put I, it out there. I try not to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if we looked at older, like there's a photo of you over there. What year is that? Uh, that's my wedding. That's seven years ago. Just over seven years ago. Yeah, right. You look, yeah, I would have thought you were a lot younger in that photo for some reason. Yeah. Oh. So, but yeah, you've matured. Time has been good <laughs> to you, but you know. Yeah, I try and look after myself. Yeah, I was about to say, you look after yourself real well. Yeah, I try. Running and there's heaps of gym equipment around. Yeah, it's like um, a gym with a lounge stuck in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, lounge and a TV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you're the youngest You're the youngest of two or have you got any other no, siblings? I've got an older brother and a younger sister. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so my brother was the older brother was the one that was uh, the poor bastard that had to learn the piano. Yep. And then I was the lucky one that got to when we were allowed, I was allowed to try and play a musical instrument. I was allowed to pick the guitar. Yep. And then, yeah, we got it, found somewhere to that local that would teach guitar and yeah, cool. started doing that in um, when I was in primary school. Yeah, see. So was this a, like, were you listening to much music or were you just like, I just want to learn guitar? Like, no, we had, well, I mean, the funny thing was that. With music, I guess back then it was mostly just the radio, which yeah. I didn't have a radio, so I never listened to it. Scrap that, yeah. Um, and then there was Rage and I think maybe even Video Hits or Rage on a Sunday yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. But because we always we always played football as well or soccer. Soccer, yeah, well, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, the round ball. Um, yeah, before games on the weekend, we weren't allowed to watch TV. Okay. We had a rule in our house that, no TV, yeah. No TV before sport. It's a legitimate rule because you just dick around otherwise. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
You don't focus. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I don't know what you're going to focus on in under eights, yeah. but um, under sixes. That's true, yeah. But, um, yeah, so it seemed like – and then for, I think from memory on a Sunday, Rage finished earlier or something. So if you didn't get up in time, yeah, you kind of missed and, – and they counted down. It was the charts. Yeah, so yeah. you got the same rubbish probably every week, which was still yeah. probably the rubbish that – I mean, I say it's rubbish now, but – it was probably the the best. I probably loved it then. Yeah. If I saw it. Absolutely it was, you would have. Yeah. 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 Who am I kidding? <laughs> That's right. You know, like watching the Bangles and watching <laughs> oh, yeah. Billy Idol and yeah. all that mad shit. All the good stuff. Yeah. 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 So we weren't allowed to watch TV. So it seemed like during winter, during the football season, there was not much music. Okay. Yeah. In our lives. And then all of a sudden Football, yeah. the sporting season ends. Yeah, summer comes and a bit around. More. But there was always also Hey Hey Saturday on a Saturday night, dude. So yeah. Molly's little Segment. section. Yeah, yeah you you get a few gems out of that sometimes. Yeah. I remember like absolutely. You know, they play like Faith No More or something. Yeah, or some Aussie rock that like Screaming Jets or something. Yeah, yeah. Pseudo Echo or Noise Works yeah. or something. Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. Something yeah, Ice yeah. House or something. Yeah, they're the kind of the things that I think of when I think about that time. Yeah. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, wasn't listening to much music at all besides what I could get to on Rage, but at the same time wasn't making a concerted effort to. It was but something that was there. So what were you doing at guitar lessons then? What Were you, like, were you learning scales and... Yeah, so yeah. I started playing guitar in when I was in, I think, year four. Okay. And it was classical guitar, so I did... Um, I think I finished the year of year four, which was 88. Yep, Okay. And um, then that next year, I started doing my level one for AMEB. Oh, I can't even remember what it was called. Yeah, it was probably but it called AMEB. Those different grades. Yep, yep. Yeah, and started doing that, and did my did my level one, and did the exams for that. Yeah, and then um, it got to a point where it was it was a bit expensive for us. Yeah, it's definitely not cheap. And even back then, I think it was. From memory, I think it was like $13 for half an hour and that was a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it would have been. I think it worked out in a space and that was weekly so I think it was in a space of a month that that was the same as a full football season Fuck. Okay. registration. It was something pretty similar to that. Yeah. And it got to a point where I wasn't really enjoying it that much. Yeah, there was no return on investment. Yeah. Yeah. Like I did enjoy playing but at the same time, if I reckon I would have stuck with it if it was cheaper, if my f- parents could afford it, and yeah. if I could play an electric guitar, because you go into this to this guy's studio, you play, and he's got all these electric guitars hanging out. Yeah. And at the same time, I'd been looking at you know when, whenever I could get to a news agent, we'd look at a magazine, guitar magazine, yep. or something like that. Yep. See a picture of Steve Vai or I don't know Satriani the, or something. Yeah, shredheads of the day. Think, yeah. And think I'm so close to being playing able to play one of those, but yeah. it's yet so far. Yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I kind of quit after the first after doing the year one exam and did a little bit of year two, and then yeah, just got to a point where it was just like, nah, I can't do it. Yeah, can't thirteen. It. As yeah. as weird as that sounds, thirteen bucks back in the eighties is it's a lot of cash. Yeah, and and weekly too. I think that was the and I mean yeah. once you compare it to football, football was like. No, it was like thirty bucks for the year, and I think you paid a dollar or two dollars each. A month. game, yeah, yeah, not even that. Yeah, it was crazy. So. Yeah, 
So what, like, was it, was your dad into soccer, like football, round ball well, he ne- to get you into it or? Yeah, kind of. Well, he never got to play because his parents didn't have enough money for okay. him to play. Yep. And he always wanted to play. So I think um, being able to have kids and give us the opportunity to play. Yeah. He just loved it and he just. Got as much out of it as you did. Yeah. yeah. And even when I, when I stopped playing or if I played with friends later on or played futsal or something totally different, he would always come and watch because he just loves to yeah. come and watch, go, and w- go and watch his kids play. Like my brother's in the Navy now and he plays in the Navy team. Wow. And if my – I mean they have different tournaments. It's all mixed up. But if they have a game somewhere, he'll try and make it just because he loves to watch his kids wow, play. Wow, that's awesome. Football, yeah. Yeah, so um, – Do you still kick – like do you still get out there like nowadays or – I don't. I yeah. used to every day. I used to every day – kick a football yeah and then even though i didn't play at all just used to juggle football non-stop yeah but nah not anymore too hard basket. yeah but i i'm probably a bigger football fan now than ever i reckon it's growing more and more all the time so because of your accessibility to accessibility to like just no. everything's on like it's oh, easy yeah. to get to everything nowadays totally. or, everything yeah. i wanted to see as a kid like when i was a kid i was so into it yeah but it was so hard to access from here yeah like i'd get family friends one of my dad's mates that he came that he lived with in Stanmore that came over with my uncle he used to send me videos wow from germany so and magazines yeah so because i guess like like you know back in the 80s and well yeah back in the 80s and then moving forward you still would have got you still would have heard about like there still would have been access to like the EP or whatever the EPL would have been called back in the 80s not really i think from oh, memory, really? there, no. there was one game they showed one game live a week and it was on a, I don't know, yeah. 11 o'clock on a, a Saturday horrible, night. Yeah. yeah, horrible time, yeah. And if you wanted the results straight away, you used to have to ring this. Well, this is ha- the only way I knew how to do it. Yeah. SBS had a hotline, a phone hotline. You could ring up and it would have a pre-recorded and they'd update results. it twice a day yeah, and you'd wait for the results. Wow. And you'd sit there and they'd read every league, <laughs> yeah. pretty much every league in Europe out. <laughs> yeah. And I'd get to the, the Bundesliga, the German league and so wait for the results. It, like without jumping too far ahead, explain where the what's your you've got a team tattooed on under like on the inner of your left right arm. Right arm, yeah, yeah. What team is it? That's FC Augsburg. That's the town where my dad's from. Okay, right. Yeah, so they um started in nineteen oh seven and then kind of merged with another club um in the mid nineteen hundreds and yeah. then they kind of um they had a presence in the second Bundesliga at best, like the second division. Yeah. And then kind of slowly faded away and almost went into administration. And then in the early 2000s kind of got rescued by a local, um, well, I guess you could call, not a multimillionaire, but a, a guy that had a local business that wanted to had save the football club but run it as a proper business. Okay. Not throw all his money at it. Yeah, and, and just and, watch and it flash away. Yeah. yeah. And they kind of built it back up again, and then now they're in the in the top division. Oh, so they, okay, so they are they are up there now, yeah. Because yeah. I always, whenever we'd have conversations about it, I just assumed it was like it'd be like going for like some uh, like you know what's uh, the like the Dremoyne Raiders. Oh, no, that's a bad example, <laughs> but like you know, like some like really localized team. But they're obviously yeah. Nah, so they're they now were. at a big. They're at a at least a national scale now. Yeah, in so Germany. Within, yeah, yeah, well, within less than twenty years, they went from 
almost being nothing, like yeah. totally wiped out, to being in the top in the top division in Germany and being there since in the last eight seven years. Yeah, cool. So 2011 they came up and I got to go over there and see the very first game in the. I remember talking to you about that. Yeah, yeah. Back. One of the best moments of my life. There you go. It's amazing. Cool. Okay, so let's go. Let's go back in time again. Yep. Um, yeah. What? 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 You were? Were you learning classical stuff? Like, did you ever have the? Like, did you ever? Uh, you wanted to get loud because you saw like the guitar wizards on the magazines and stuff. Yeah. So every every week, my dad would. Um, go to the local – on a Friday afternoon when he'd get home from work, he'd go to the local news agents and put his lotto numbers in. Yep, okay. So hopefully one day – Just get lucky. Yep. Yep. I hope those numbers would drop. And while he was doing that, it was at the news agents at, at Blackson. It was like this five, ten minutes Yeah. <laughs> we could have to yeah. consume as many magazines as possible yeah. because I couldn't afford them. Just treat it like a library. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and my dad was talking to the guy and giving him money every week so yeah. they never said anything to us. So yep. it was skateboard magazines Yep. Okay. that looked cool. Yep. Football magazines because I love football. That's what you did, yeah. And guitar magazines because I was learning to play guitar. Yeah. And then – Obviously, always wanted to play one of those electric guitars that were hanging up in the studio. Yep. So, yeah, it was like just try and memorise and consume as much as possible and over the years just managed to pick up a magazine here and there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, get some inspiration. But so did you skate then? I mean, no, Blackson's well, a fucking hilly area, obviously. Yeah. Like, But I'm sure, oh, well, back then I doubt there would have been much to skate, but like... Oh, was the schools are good? Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, schools would have been fantastic. Um, yeah, but I didn't. So that was around. That was like late eighties. So yeah, were there skaters around? But there were. Yeah, there, there was like a. I remember there was like a crew of guys in the, in the lower mountains, and I remember, like I didn't know them. I knew where one of them lived. Yeah, but when you'd see them in passing, there was like this pinnacle of coolness. Just yeah, right. And I remember there was there was no like there was no thugness about them. Oh no! Like they oh, kept not that I know. Of, yeah, but like you weren't you weren't intimidated the, by them or anything. Oh no, I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, cool. Okay, I was probably holding my mum's hand or something. Oh like, right, okay, cool. Like so that. we're talking that young. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, well, I was in year four. I was like ten years old. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you'd see them and the stuff I'd seen in the magazines. I would see them wearing whether it was like a yeah, I don't know, skull skates, power parole, television streetwear, yeah. like all that kind of stuff and. Whenever you'd see them, there'd be a group of them, pack of them, and yep. we always had at Glenbrook. They have a local, like a spring fair. Yep, and there would always be something going down, like a water fight or something like that. Yeah, and you can guarantee that those <laughs> those dudes were involved they somehow. Were in the mix, yeah. yeah. And it was all, it was just cool because it was another chance to see them. Yeah, yes. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so it was. They were kind of like that was the kind of cool skater angle for it. Yeah, and then a bunch of them. Um, I think they were about, I don't know, six or seven years older than me, but there was still a bunch of them that were about four years older than me that actually were in my primary school. So just as when we were in infant school, our infant school and primary schools were separate. Okay. So um, they were just like a couple of blocks away from each other. But when as the infant school would go up to the primary school for different what, assemblies yep. or whatever, I'd always see these kids and, you know, you'd see them with their – New Airwalks or Vision Streetwear or Airwalk VX or Prototype, just yeah. the coolest shit that I'd see in magazines and just be like, 
oh man, this is awesome. Yeah, this is so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and it was the same deal when I got to high school. That was still that was still around there. those same guys. Yeah, they were still around. Yeah. yeah, some of them weren't skating, some of them were. Yeah, but some of them played football too, which I thought was even cooler. So they're yeah. skating and playing football. So you'd turn up to football and, and just by chance, if your game was near their game, yeah, you know, you'd see them after their game or turn up to the game in like I don't know, just different skate clothes or something like that, and just think, and they oh, just put man. the jersey on. Yeah, yeah. So what, who were you playing for? Um. Blue Mountains Football Club. So that was just the... Oh, wow. So we, that would have been a, like a big area of... No, nah, not at all. Oh, really? That was just the name of the club. Okay. Because it was the oldest. Oh, right. Okay, so it was the first it was one. the oldest. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's been there for over 50 years. Right. But um, my parents moved in 87. They moved from Blacksland to Glenbrook, which is just one suburb away. Yep. Just yep. A, a slightly bigger house. Okay. And it was like three, three doors up from the football field. So Sick. pretty much from then on for the a lot of my life i spent every afternoon kicking a football yep see that was like pretty much overtook my life so music for me was like kind of took a back seat after yeah. after um when i finished playing guitar but it turns out the my year six school teacher was he he was the coach of the football team okay he coached the weekend football team that was really good yeah he was an awesome teacher and he also played guitar in a oh what do you call it? It's like um like a bush dance band. Okay. I can't remember the name of it. It'll it'll hit me later on. Yeah, yeah. But they used to play like gigs around like, you know, end of end of the year bush dances and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. It sounds so country. Yeah, sound, yeah, yeah. And they'd have like like the sticks that you'd hit yeah, like the, the bottle, with the bottle, bottle tops, tops and stuff. And stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Can't remember the name of it, but anyway, he um, I told him I play guitar, and he's like, "Oh, what do you like?" And I think I must have said Satriani to him. Yeah, right. Oh. <laughs> that's what you'd seen in the, in the mag. The exactly, mags, yeah. and I think I had a magazine, and he just looked terrible. Satriani just looked terrible, like he's wearing some ridiculous blazer, yep. as he did in the eighties. Some yeah. Ibanez that looked like all floral, watercolor, watercolors or something. Okay, like. right, it was right. just woeful, but. In hindsight, it was woeful, but yeah, at the time it was just it was it maddest. Was, yeah, it was sick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was what I was aspiring to. Yep. And um, he ended up um, giving me a dub, like a a copy of um, the two latest Satriani albums. Okay. Which was um, Surfing with the Alien and yep. Flying in a Blue Dream. Okay. And um, that kind of leads me to the second song, which I kind of I always thought was epic, and I would have loved to. To been able to play it, but I I feel like because I stopped getting lessons, it was kind of be, like beyond me yeah. kind of thing. So I never kind of pursued it, but I don't know one day I might get there. Yeah, and that was um the Tatriani song, always with me, always with you. That's the classic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is the classic. Like I'd I'd love to pick something you know a bit more obscure, but dude, that's it. The classics never get old. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the video clip. Just thinking, how does he play guitar with all that wind? <laughs> like, I hate the wind. Yeah. Like today's the windiest day. Today was hate, hectic windy. I hate the wind. Ask Bell. Like, I yeah. won't run if if it's windy. I was just like, no, nah, I'm not bothering. Understand. Hate playing football in the wind. Yeah. Just hate the wind. Why would you play guitar in the wind? Exactly. Yeah. And it looks so strong. It made today look tame. 
Yeah, right. In that, in that I don't know if you've seen it for a while, but oh, it's been a while. It's definitely been a while. One of my mates actually got married to this. I think it was the um, was it the song? I'm trying to think. It was something she walked down the aisle to, or that they walked out of their like they got married and then walked out of the. I think they got married in chapel, or like a church. So they walked out of the church to this. Yeah, it's a hell of a yeah. song. Oh, it's the, it is the hit. You're right. Yeah, sick. All right, well, let's but, listen. Uh, oh, go on. Did you want to say anything else before we listen? No, nah, I think that – oh, actually, I was going to say this song kind of revisited my life when I um I was in high school at one of the – we had these talent quests Yep. every now and again and there was a dude in the year, year above me and he actually played this on guitar. He had a, like a backing track but he actually yeah played it on guitar and – um Could have been you. Yeah, it could have been me. <laughs> He didn't win. What one? That's some bullshit. I can't even remember. I think it was some girls doing aerobics dancing or something, like something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean they're probably healthier now than that dude. But well that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um at the time I thought he I thought he nailed it. Yeah. I thought I bit of, I had a bit of an informed opinion. I could, yeah. I think I could uh, yep. could judge that and yep. yeah, he didn't win it. Hey, that's we Baffling. Need a, we need a recount. I'm still baffled. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. All right. So always with you, always. No. Always uh, always with me, always with you. Cool.
So we watched the film clip of that because it gives it – it adds another level. Oh, yeah, uh, the context. Yeah, it hates the context and there's so much wind and so oh. much dirt. Oh. And it would be shit ass. A lot of dirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's cool that you had a teacher that like – yeah, that kind of – that was like, hey, you should check this out. Like, oh, like totally. Musically. Like it happened with me and it's one of the cool – like it's one of the coolest things. Like if someone says what's one of the cool things that happened at high school for like for me, it would be like the teacher giving me a tape. Oh, yeah. Like it's fucking phenomenal. I don't know if it's um, crossing lines at all but – Nowadays it definitely would be. Yeah. But like simpler times. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. And this same teacher, he would um, – obviously massive football fan so – he want, want like chew his ear off about teacher. that. Yeah, totally. But um, you know, often turn up to class wearing a midnight oil shirt or yeah, cool. Okay, you know, something a little bit different, out a little bit out there kind of thing. So yep, yeah, I think he won over a lot of the kids. And it was funny. I went to um, one of my my oldest mate from school. I went to his um fortieth about a month ago, and another guy um that was in my class was there, and he was he's a school teacher now. And okay. Um, he's taught around a few different places, and he was saying he's my that teacher's my reference point. Yeah, right. He that's he, what he models himself off. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. He said he just made a difference. He made kids want to be good people. Yeah, not just learn how to read or yeah how to write or whatever or how to you know add up numbers. He just taught them to be nice people and be yeah, good cool. people, and that's what something that totally stuck with him. And that was like that was nineteen ninety. 28 years later. Yeah. Still going. Yeah. Yeah. So see, well, still, of, yeah, still the, the, his impact has still lasted. Yeah, the ripple effect is yeah. big. Sick. Big, yeah. So even though I don't still listen to Satriani, I can still appreciate it. Yeah. I don't know. Like that kind of stuff, it's very um, – you've got to be into it because there's no – obviously there's no lyrics. Or the, I, mean, I don't think there's any vocals. I could be completely wrong. but Yeah, I can't remember actually. I think yeah. there may be on a couple of songs. Okay. Now, obviously not memorable. Yeah. There's no yeah, yeah. There's no classic uh lines that you get tattered on yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. So you grew up pretty much your whole life out west, yeah? Yeah. Went to high mountains. school. Yep. Yep. The whole way through. Yeah. Yep, cool. Stayed uh, in the same house. So once my parents moved in eighty seven to Glenbrook, they they're still in the same house now. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So Yeah, see. It's been a while. So was your like like one of the reoccurring themes in the podcast when I speak to people is that their elder siblings had a big impact on their musical tastes at around this age, like kind of leaving primary school or, you know, like when you're getting into music, your older older brother or sister kind of will steer you in a direction or kind of open your eyes to stuff. Was your brother musically inclined at all or? Not really, no. no. So my brother has always He's always quieter and he was always... Quieter than you? Yeah, quieter than wow. me. okay. But he, um, he, he's, he's a smart bastard. And yeah. He, um, he, so he kind of hung out with kids that were, you know, not kind of nerds, I guess. Mm. But um, he was totally into sports as well. But um, I reckon, I don't, I don't think, my brother had a few, like he, he bought a few records. I remember he, he had, um, is it Hysteria by Def Leppard? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that. I, I didn't mind that when he would play that sometimes on vinyl, but because we only had one record player. Yeah. And I mean, my dad didn't want to hear that shit when he got home from work. I was so. about to say, yeah, like, did you, yeah, did and your dad take to that or was like, no, nah, not really. No, nah, 
parents never really shut anything down. Okay, that's cool. And yeah, so going from primary school to high school, that was massive for me. Like that was, I mean, all of a sudden there's five years, six years of kids that are older than you. So you got like. Yeah, you're the small fish again. You're passing metalheads every day. Like, yeah. And dudes that don't wear their school uniform and wearing like. And have facial hair and weird shit like that. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> that was just the best. Like I'm looking at dudes sneakers. Yeah. Looking at their metal shirts. Yeah. Looking at. The shit they write in their bags. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Out of control. Like, yeah. It was like, it's just like another world. Like, yeah. Even though it was just up the road. Like, it was amazing. I loved it. Yeah. Even though I was totally intimidated and had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. But at that stage in life, I was just all about football. Like, okay. So music was pretty much a non-event for me. Like, Yeah, right. I just knew, I knew, like, a bunch of my friends were getting into it. So some of my friends... We're into skating and stuff and yep. they were into like they would not wear ba- really band shirts or but they would, you know, tag stuff on their bags and whatever. Yeah. And then as we kind of moved through high school, you know, that all that early nineties, that grunge stuff started filtering in. Blowing up. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of every school term we'd have a school disco. Yeah. And so, you know, the the hot songs would get played and I'd still go because all my friends would go. Yeah. And so you'd hear the songs and I knew they were around, like Nirvana, Pearl Jam. Yep. I know, I guess some of the – I can't really think of anything else. Did really you go to co-ed or – Yeah, co-ed, okay. just public school, yeah. 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 Pretty, I know, a few people said it's rough but it was just what – it is what it is kind of thing. Yeah, you, you know? don't know any different – well, you yeah. generally won't know any different, yeah. Yeah, I think all the schools were a bit rough, all the public schools around there anyway, so. Yeah. Not bad but at the same time, like there's plenty of shit going on to keep everyone entertained. Yeah. But music didn't really stand out for me that okay. much in those early years. Like, I didn't get caught up in like grunge or anything. I was just in my own, my own little world. Like, had like the vision was just on football. Like, I wanted to be a professional footballer. That's what I wanted to do. What? Well, actually, it's what not what I wanted to do. It's what I thought I was gonna do. Okay. If that makes any sense. Like, that's yeah, how naive that was I was. The plan. Yeah, it wasn't even a plan. Like, I was yeah. living. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. even think a week ahead. Okay. And I think most of my teen life I didn't even – I was just living day to day. Like I couldn't even plan ahead. Like I had no plans for the future. Like were, I just assumed things were going to happen. Were Like realistically but were you – like were you in selective – I don't know, selective is not the right word. No, but no. like were you in like – football teams that would get you to be in a better like no, were you I, just playing in a local team or were you playing in like some kind of selective I was I was playing like in a top local level yeah but and trialing for representative teams it's exactly what I was looking for thank you representative yeah that yeah. had future soccerers in them so yeah future right Australia play so I probably in hindsight is a really dumb thing like the, all the teams I trialed for were the state champions and so only the good players are going there. So Harry Kuehl, Brett Edmonton, like there's yeah, well. guys that played in the Premier League and stuff at a young age just killing it and Neville Nobody here's turning up to have a crack. Have a crack and yeah. doing okay, but at the same time, never was never gonna get selected. Yeah, okay. But I think between myself and my parents, we had no idea how the system worked. Okay. And it was probably a good thing in a way because I don't think with three kids that would have taken up all my parents' time That's driving me if I dedication. Did, yeah. Yeah. And the cost associated with that would never have worked for us. So Yeah. It was kinda easier just to keep 
doing what I was doing kind of thing. At and, that local level. Yeah, at a local level. And then, um, yeah, so that didn't really change much through high school. and But I was just stuck with football and didn't really give music much of a listen. I remember uh, one of my friends um, started feeding me um, some gangster rap tapes. Sure. Yeah, so yeah. that was I think that was about 93 or 94. And I had a bunch of um, dubs of um, NWA. Yep. Ice Cube. Yep. Um, Ghetto Boys. See. Two Life Crew. I can't remember anything else really. But I remember um, – and I didn't have a tape recorder or anything. So the only time I could play it actually was in our car, our family car. That With the your ta- parents? The, yeah, the tape player didn't work. Oh, it didn't work. So the only time I could play this music was occasionally my dad would bring cars home from work. Okay. So he – he um, moved from being a motor mechanic to being like a road tester. So someone would come in with their car and say, oh, this is problem. I've got this problem with my car. Making this weird noise or something. Yeah, so he would take the car out, go with them, and he would pretty much by ear, he could diagnose the problem. Jeez. Or, and then he would brief in the mechanics yep. and tell them what's wrong kind of thing. So he would get these cars that were um, tested by the newspapers and stuff and they had all these testing boxes and stuff in there and sometimes he could swing it so he could take them home and use use those cars for the weekend because it saved us petrol yeah, yeah, as well so especially yeah. if if my sister was my sister would did ballet all the life and she yeah. traveled a lot for that so he could use it for that then use it for my brother's football games use it for my football game so saved a lot of cash on petrol doing that and then so sometimes with those cars i'd bring my tapes along good and um and I don't know why I wasn't that into it, but like playing the tapes, they never told me to turn it off. Like, yeah, right. They, they my, just my mum actually liked the beat, and she didn't. I'm pretty sure she never knew what the lyrics were like. Yeah, she's not listening to it. No. Yeah. No, she because um, it wouldn't last long. No, no, not at all. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm sure my dad understood it. Like, yeah, it's pretty clear. Like those lyrics and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's have, not like it's it's not the mumble rap of today. It's like no, you know, they they had. Great uh, enunciation. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, um, yeah. So I dabbled with that a little bit. Cool. So okay. that, that was kind of interesting. But yeah. I never um, I never dabbled with the uh, attire that went with it or the uh, okay. the language or anything like that. So yep. I was just too white and suburban. Yep. To That's actually relate. Yeah. But I still, it's, it's ca- so catchy. Oh, absolutely. And that, a lot of that stuff stuck in my head that could have easily been a song i picked yeah okay oh so you didn't no i didn't because it actually didn't it didn't have an effect on me like okay. it's, it's stuck in my head like i can still listen to yeah um is that lethal injection or something like yeah, that yeah. ice cube, or ice cube any, album or yeah, yeah. any nwa and and enjoy it but at the same time uh when i stopped listening to it it didn't do anything for me like yeah. it didn't make me want to explore music yeah or, yeah 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 so yeah didn't really stuck with football and then um I think it was yeah, second last year of high school, I um they changed the age structure of football, so I actually missed out on joining and the the club I was playing at actually changed from being a local club to a representative club. Right. And because of the age structure change, I missed out on playing in the under sixteens. So I could either stay playing local or I could play in their play up. Or, well, kind of, I could 
um, trial to play in their men's state league team. Oh wow! So okay. I was I was sixteen, and so their their men's state league team was in like Division Four, but it's men. It's like yeah, totally. I'm a sixteen year old kid. Haven't who developed. probably looked like a twelve year old. Yeah, kid. <laughs> yeah. But I I kind of yeah I had the skills, but I didn't have anything else. Like yeah. and I had the fitness and the yeah. skills, but. Doesn't help you when they can just pump you off the ball and yeah, they just you're laying on the give pitch you a little half tap the time. And yeah. yeah, so I played a year of that and worked my ass off, like because I thought this is, you know, this is one step closer to what I really want to do. Yeah, okay, but it actually did the opposite. It really just the way they the way they kind of because I was a young kid, like yeah. young kid turns up and takes another older guy's spot. They're not into it, especially in the first team. Yeah, not into it at all. And then they try and, like, if you're doing okay, I don't know if there's egos or whatever, they try and use you as an example, put you on the bench or – and it just got to a point where it was like, this is not fun. Like, I'd yeah. turn up, train so hard, like, put so much effort in and just get nothing. And it was right towards the end of that season I was like, next year is my HSC year. I should probably not play okay. and concentrate on school. Yeah. Which was pointless. <laughs> Because I never concentrated on school, yep. ever. Too late to start year 12. Yeah, but, you know, I thought I was doing the right thing. Yeah. And so at the, towards the end of year 11, I was um, I got a new job as well, a new part-time job. Okay. And um, Hold on, what were you doing? I was working, um, I don't know if you remember, the milk trucks that used to go around and deliver milk. Yep, yep. Um, in, like, suburban areas, yeah. yeah. Me and my brother, we kind of had the monopoly on this one yeah. little area. Fantastic. So we... um. At the the milkman that we were working for, he um he had like a kid for every day, okay. A different kid would do the milk run every day, and me and my brother because we were into running, and fitness and stuff. Whenever we would do it with him, we'd get it done in like yeah, two hours instead of five hours. We would yeah. be running, we'd be ahead of the truck, we'd be beating the truck kind of thing, yeah. and um so this guy I think he kind of realised that. He was a postie as well, so he realised that he could probably um, get some extra hours in his other job. Yep, okay. Turn up late to start his milk run and with my brother and I, he would get it done in the same time. So he could get more cash and he pretty much sacked the other kids. Put you on five days a week? Yeah, me and my brother on between us. I think we got, I think it was six days a week. I think they skipped a day. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So we had we had the monopoly on this milk so run. Good. Yeah. So between our football practices, we worked out what, <laughs> which ones we could do each. Yep. And then, uh, um, while I was doing that, um, one of our neighbours, um, his wife owned uh, like a gift store or jewellery store. Okay. In Penrith Plaza. Yep. And um, he came over to my house one day and he said, um, "Oh, we noticed um, we see Dave doing the milk run and he." Seems to be a hard worker. Like we always see him running. Like when we drive through Lapston on the on the way back home from our work, and we've got an opening coming up at the at the store if he wants to trial out for this. Okay. Like in a to work, you know, to selling like gifts and jewelry. And I was just like, yeah, right. Sounded good. It was in Penrith Plaza. Like that was the place place to be. It was you the know? hub. It was yeah. pretty much. It was the hub. And um, yeah, so I kind of started doing that and doing the milk run so i started saving a bit of cash yeah. and um towards the end of that 
season of football and I was just hating it. I just – I think my mind was just wandering. Like, what else can I do? Like, Yeah, what else is I out put, there for you? I put all my eggs in one basket kind of thing. And yeah. There's got to be something else. And, you know, you, you know, older teen years, you start, you know, thinking about different things, going to parties, stuff like that. Like yep. I don't want to turn up to f- – party in freaking football tracksuit yeah. because I'll probably just get beaten up or yep. everyone will just laugh at me and no girl's going to look at me or talk to me. So it's not the coolest thing to be wearing. No, definitely not. So um, I got this job and I thought I might get into music. Okay. I might, you know, it looks pretty cool. Like I liked skateboarding and stuff. All my friends seem to be in it. That's what happens at the parties. Yeah. I like the idea of fast music. This is I this like, is the start. This is I, the I like, origin stories right yeah. here, because <laughs> I like the kind of faster gangster rap stuff, and I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. So I decided, I think it was like in the space of like a couple of weeks, maybe I'm going to buy a stereo. Good. I'm going to buy some CDs. Sick. But I'd never looked. I'd never gone into a music store since maybe the late '80s or something. Okay. So now we're like '95ish. Yeah, '95. Yep. This is towards the end of '95. Yep. Got this new job. Had I was about to start the new job. Had some more cash. Knew knew the cash was going to come. So yeah, yeah, an extra hundred or so dollars a week, which is out of control for, for me. Seventeen year old kid. Yeah, yeah. Like I didn't know what to do with it. I was just I had already had enough money to buy you know a couple of pairs of sneakers every year, and I loved doing that. Yeah, but to I needed something to spend my money on because yeah. fuck, I wasn't going to save it. Yeah, what so, would you? Um, yeah, so I um I bought this kind of compact CD player and it had a tape recorder in it as well. No idea what I was going to do with a tape recorder because I had no tapes. I had nothing. <laughs> so I'm starting from scratch here. It's kind of – it is it is funny. But, um, yeah, the first um, – just before that, actually, I think I watched or I recorded Rage. Okay. And on Rage I remember seeing um, the video for Unsung by Helmet. Yes. And I thought, yes, this sounds okay. Yep. It's not fast. No. It didn't jump out at me, but in the video, they kind of looked like me. Yeah. Like just dudes. Short hair. Yeah. Stripy teeth. I don't know. Just They just looked kind of normal. And I was like, hang on. They don't look like they sound. And yeah. that kind of, that totally threw me for a loop. Yeah. But it kind of validated my decision to get into music and stay the way I was, if that makes any sense. Absolute, absolute sense, yeah. Yeah, so I got this stereo. I think my I think my mum was going driving down to Penrith to pay some bills or something, so I jumped in the car with her, yep. bought the stereo, went and dropped it in the car, had a bit of time to kill. Yep. That was my CD shopping time. Good. So in the Penrith Plaza there was... I think there was three stores at the time, maybe two. There was a Plaza Records, which was a small independent yep. kind of record store, and there was HMV. HMV, yep. And I kind of went to HMV because it was laid out yeah. better, like was, alphabetically yeah. it made sense to me because I'm more of a spreadsheet yep. guy. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. And Plaza Records was small. Chaos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bit, of, bit of a, yeah, yeah, bit of a dog's breakfast. So um, <laughs> I went to HMV and I thought, Helmet, unsung.
Yeah, so I went up, looked under H, saw helmet record. Yep. Not unsung. But I didn't I didn't think to check. Yeah. Oh, if unsung right. was on this helmet record, so I okay. picked up Betty. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yep. And I'm like, got this. Sun, well, sorted. Looks like it's the last one. Didn't realise they got 50 behind the counter, but I thought I was quite smug thinking, I've yep. got the last one. Yeah. And I realised I was one of everything. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, so unbeknownst to me, um, Unsung wasn't on it. Good. Yeah. What was the album that Unsung was off? Um, meantime. Oh yeah, the Meantime. Yeah, yeah. Meantime. Yeah. I think? Sorry. Yeah. No, it's Meantime. Yeah. yeah. It's all getting a bit hazy. Yeah. But I bought Helmet. It, it took a little bit of effort to remember this, but I got there. Um, I bought Helmet, Betty. I bought Beastie Boys, Ill Communication. Fantastic. Well, I beg to differ, really. Oh, you, what, you didn't like it? Well, I also bought License to Ill. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought... Well, at the same time, you bought both albums? At the same time, okay, yeah, right, right. I bought in this, in this mega CD. Um, Splurge. Yeah, huge. No effects, Maximum Rock and Roll. Ooh. And I bought that Blink Cheshire Cat record. Okay. Before they were called Blink-182. They were just straight Blink. Yeah. They would have, like, that Blink one would have been fast. expensive. Uh, no, uh, honestly, I think they're all kind of average. Okay, because I'm assuming that would have been an import. Like no one's doing a local press of that. That's just my brain. Well, I think working they, weird. Maybe it was just after they toured that first time. Oh, okay, Pennywise right. And yeah, the Good Times tour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they were. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So I had this batch of CDs and got home. Found out Unsung wasn't on. Yep. But I had it on taped on video, so. It was there if you needed yeah, it. Yeah, I could go back to it. But at the same time, I couldn't listen to it on my new stereo yep. in my room yep. whenever I wanted. Yep. Put the Beastie Boys on. I still don't like it. I can't stand the Beastie Boys. <laughs> what made you get that? Be- like, um, I think I saw a photo of them and they were wearing Adidas. Okay. And I saw – I probably saw someone at school with a T-shirt or something right. or it was at a school disco or something. There was one song probably – Sabotage or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Or fight for you right at the party or something. Yeah, probably that. Yep. And I got licensed to ill and I actually bought, bought bought Paul's boutique later on and in an effort to try and like it, but I still can't do it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> like it does nothing for me. Yeah, I actually enough. find it annoying. Which I mean I can't ignore what I feel, you know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Even though, you know, Adam Yuck produced that. But that bad brains album, so you should just like it by default. But anyhow, yeah, potentially, but I yeah. can't pretend, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> and no effects, maximum rock and roll. It's a, it's a, that's a tough one to start with. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure I bought that because um, I think they toured in '95. Phoenician like Club, Phoenician Club, yeah. Yep. And I know a couple of kids in my year had it like written on their pencil cases yep, and stuff. As you do. And I just saw it because being in HMV, it was just overwhelming. Yeah. Yep. Like I didn't know where to start. I had no idea to start with. Yeah. Like imagine having no idea and no idea on top of that. Yeah. It's like. Because <laughs> so Maximum Rock and Roll, um, Fat Mike never wanted it released. Yeah, right. And now um, I, sit, oh, I know why. Yeah, like well, so because they did – Um, oh, maybe, maybe I'm confusing it. But they were on Mystic Records, like yeah. the early stuff before they started doing their own yep. – or before they went to Epitaph. They're on Mystic Records and Fat Mike's like the guy released it and there were songs that didn't have vocals and it wasn't finished 
but this guy released it and just keeps releasing it. And Fat Mike's like, I will buy it off. He said to the, whatever, whoever owns Mystic Records, I will buy that record off you. Tell me how much you want to sell it for just so you can stop releasing it. Yeah, right. Because I don't want it out there. Like, it's terrible. And the guy's like, no, I'm fine. Making money off it still. Like, it still it still sells. I think I heard somewhere that the guy that was releasing it is the same guy that recorded, mixed and mastered a lot of stuff on it too. Like, he just did everything and just kept, kept repackaging stuff and keep would, selling it. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. So. Genius. But that's a, that's a tough one to get into. Yeah. Because so. especially, like, 95, you've got... Well, you've got you could have ribbed was out. Obviously, ribbed was out. Punk and Trouble was out. Yeah, white trash, two heads and a beam was out. But three instant classics there. Adding to my no idea. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea you could. Well, I guess you were limited then to research what bands are released. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea you could order stuff in. Well, yeah, I didn't that's, think about that. Yeah, no, like, that's. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Mystic and related to ordering records because yeah. I mean, after a few more CD purchases, and I kind of figured out. Fat records and epitaph and yep. that stuff. I got that um, ten foot pole record and somehow I think I read in a Maximum Rock and Roll or a flip side or something that okay. I managed to pick up from going a bit bit ahead here, going from Waterfront Records. Yep. I found out that pre ten foot pole was scared straight. Yeah. And I like them, so I thought, oh scared straight's gotta be good. So I'm pretty sure I asked every music store I went to from ninety five to 97 or something yeah. i want to order and we figured out i could order stuff in yeah. um what can you get me i've scared straight like nothing. nothing yeah only some new bomb turks record that was called scared straight yeah i was like yeah, no yeah. that's not it that's not them <laughs> yeah but i eventually got it thanks to ebay but yeah. a few years later a few years later yeah, yeah 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 but after after that first first batch of cds i think i gradually started chipping away and I think I got the next lot. I think I got a lag wagon CD and, a, and propaganda. Cool. How to clean everything. Yep. Yep. That's the first and, one. Um, I think the first, I think I got trashed by lag wagon and yep. how to clean everything in. That was before Christmas 95. Okay. And then. So we're now pop punk, Dave. Well, I was still kind of dab. Like I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. You don't. No. Like how, how could you? So I was kind of, th- and then. Stuff like Green Day, I never got into. Like I okay. kind of find, found it annoying. Yeah. Like I don't. I can listen to it now. Like, but I wouldn't buy it. Like, yeah. But then I liked, I liked Propaganda because it just offensive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that they was they had some you know kind of crazy ideas that I was kind of intriguing. Yeah. Okay. I get you. And Lagoing just sounded like they were just having a laugh, like, but not in a. No effects kind of way. So I kind of, I dug that and then I just kept, started to buy like the compilations that were out there like um, Punk fat, Rama and yeah, Fat Music for Fat People yep. and um, some of the smaller comps. So I started picking up the drum media too and I noticed the waterfront ads. Yep. And I think there was um, maybe Silver Rocket Yep. had ads in there too. So um, once I did a couple of trips into the city, and figured out where these places were. Yeah. Once I figured out that um, the new releases that they were listing in there, I was just hitting up my dad. I'd highlight, I'd cut out the ad. Yeah, okay. This is probably very late 95 and early 96. Highlight what I wanted, give it to my dad. Send him off. And he would, yeah, when he was going to work, he was working on the North Shore. He would have to change trains at Town Hall 
And he'd right. say, yeah, I'll just go up and get it for you. Yeah. Just give me the cash. And yeah, so I picked up all those early propaganda seven inches that are really hard to get now and I I gave them to Paul. Is it the I'd rather be flag burning? Yeah, all that stuff, the recess record stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a bunch of – they're pretty rare. I think Paul um, showed one of the propaganda guys and he's like, oh, I don't even have one of those or Fuck. just all this random seven inches and stuff And yeah. because we had a record player and I was more familiar with – that format. With re- records, yeah, than CDs. But yeah. Yeah, and just started chipping away at stuff. And at that stage, like, it was, I mean, in high school, like, you don't, I probably wasn't buying a CD a week, but I was probably buying one a fortnight. Yeah, close enough, yeah. Yeah, and just really, like, it was just really enjoying the search. Like, yeah, sometimes you'd hit a doozy. Yeah. Like a maximum rock and roll. Like a maximum rock and roll, yeah. And other times you'd come across a really good comp or, or how to clean everything yeah 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 and just started chipping away then that was probably my last year of school so that was a massive distraction from any schoolwork. Yeah. i was just more concerned about what the next cd would be Wow. and then yeah and so got to a point where it was like some of my mates said oh um oh they're talking about going to a show yeah right. I was like yeah I'll, I'll go i'll come with you I had no idea what show it was. Yeah. And then I found out um, it was a noise addict show. Ben Lee. Lee. Yeah. Yep. I had no idea who they were. I saw a video on Rage and I thought, oh, it's okay. But I had no idea, but it was something different. Yeah. It was, it was wild. It was at Bondi Pavilion. So it's a hike. Yeah. So getting a train to Central for us, it was an hour train to Central. Yep. Train out to Bondi Junction. And then a bus. And a bus, yeah. Got there and it was just like, oh. <laughs> it's like grunge kids trying yeah. to like it was just weird it's not what I expected at all yeah I had not but at the same time I had no idea and I thought oh is this it I was like oh because I'd never been to a concert ever yeah understandable that was the first live band I saw besides seeing bands at the high school talent show yeah so that was the closest I got and I was kind of it was disappointing and I remember it took so long to get home Oh, because yeah. I think it was like a weekend. There was problems with the buses or trains, typical and Sydney shit's transport. Not, shit's not happening as quickly because no one's using it. Yeah. yeah. So it was kind of disappointing. But then because um, I had um, cause I had like some Lagwagon CDs, they toured. 96? Yeah, the end of 96. And yep. um, one of my mates was going to that and there was a bunch of dudes. So when I when I worked in the, the jewellery and gift store, yep. um. I'd turn up on a, I'd work on a Thursday night and one day on a weekend I'd clean all the windows. It was like pretty much full of glass. Yep. And so from all the display cabinets, clean all the glass and then pretty much on a Thursday night it'd be dead. Like there's not many people buying engagement rings or yeah. watches or like, I mean, the bits and pieces, like little gifts and stuff here and there. But so I just, they had, a, they had two, two of us would be working and they had two seats and we'd just sit there. And so I had this perfect view and the location was the corner of the, of the end where the station was yeah. at Penrith. So I pretty much saw everyone come in and come out. Yeah. So I, and the whole thing was glass, like even the glass cabinets in the middle, I could see straight through them. So I would just sit there and watch everyone come through, look at their sneakers, look at their clothes. Yeah. And then I'd, um, yeah, just see band shirts and football shirts and all this, you know, it was just... Like Take it in. People watching. It was, yeah. I was getting paid to 
to people watch. Yeah. Most of the time. So, yeah, that was, it was so good. And so I'd always see this crew of skaters from Penrith and stuff, the same people every yeah. Thursday night. That would be at Penrith Plaza. And I was like, really? Do you have to be here every Thursday night? You don't work here. Why are you here? Yeah, kind stop loitering. Yeah, but at the same time it gave me something to see, you know, if they had a new T-shirt. Yep. Whatever I knew. I, I could pretty much tell you which kids had what sneakers. Like That's how bad it was. But um, yeah. So then, when the when the lag wagon tour kind of happened, um, one of my mates from, or a couple, actually a few dudes from my year, went to the show, and I just jumped on the train and and met up with them. Manning bar. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Before it. Turned it was just terrible. A, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, oh, not terrible. Bad. Yeah. Sorry, but like it was just a hall then, like yeah. wooden floorboards and stuff. And, yeah. Um. Yeah. And one inch punch. Yeah. And so um. I remember just getting there and just seeing a sea of kids outside and they look like – because I'm like – it's the aesthetic thing that does it huge for me. Like I love looking at shirt designs and yeah. dude's shoes and whatever. Like that's the stuff that I loved when looking at when I was a kid because that's the stuff I never had. So that was the stuff that I was just like, you know, wide-eyed about. Yeah. And so just seeing this sea of kids in these wild shirts that I'd seen in pictures and – Yep. In like within CD booklets and stuff like that and records. I thought, fuck, this is cool. Oh, this is really cool. Awesome. And then, um, yeah, getting to see like I thought one inch punch, like I was like, they sound good, but they don't look very cool. <laughs> so, like, like judge so me. you're sorry, you, you've just watched them, they've finished. Yeah. And that's what you got from it? Pretty much. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. But at the same time, I was kind of short, so I didn't really see – I didn't get to see much, but I thought it sounded yeah. sick. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then um, Lagwagon played and everyone went crazy and I think I ended up trying – like getting kind of pushed towards the back or something. Not that I was trying to get in the mix or anything, but, yeah. you know, it was kind of – it was cool and the whole – like the atmosphere just – it seemed like more – Electric? My, my thing. Yeah. Yeah, rather than the noise addict show at, yeah. <laughs> at Bondi Pavilion. It's yeah. fucking Ben Lee. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, yeah, my um, my next song would have to be... Sick. I can't um, wait. One, oh. one Inch Punch. Well, Escaping cool. a Goat. So, and I think mainly that because it kind of showed me that it's just not about the look. As much as I love yeah. the whole aesthetic... Of stuff and branding and stuff like that like it just didn't fit in and it was so cool in a different way it's amazing yeah. i like yeah i don't know what i thought you'd pick and but we went for like from turn to turn to turn and then we land on that and that's perfect yeah well i'm pretty sure it shocked me at the time and so pretty much the week or after that the next time i was down in penrith i'd go down to um plaza records that i'd pick up my drum media from and yeah there's a – I'm flicking through the shirts. They're usually all large, extra large, nothing that'll fit me. <laughs> yeah. And there's They're a, my people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a medium one-inch punch shirt. Sick. And I'm like, I'm all over this. <laughs> yes. Got that. Was and it the hand-drawn – like the – It was the dude pointing. pointing. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then the one-inch punch on the bum. Sick. Yeah, and then um, – yeah, and picked up um, the first record and it was like – uh, and I saw them, and I was felt like oh, yeah, this is this is this is it. That's but the weird thing was, it didn't really. I didn't. I don't think I listened to it that much. Okay. Because it's still it's quite unique. Yeah. I think like you can't say it sounds like anything. No. It doesn't even f- really fit that well into that era. 
Yeah. In a way, like. <laughs> That's so good, bud. Yeah. So. Sick. All right, let's do it. One inch punch. Escaping the goat. So as we were listening to that, which was a fucking banger, um, yeah, you were saying that you couldn't kind of pick where it belongs. Yeah. So is that is would that be a good way to describe what how you, you kind of view that like one inch punch in this release? Well, the way my little mind works is I try and categorize everything. So yeah. I almost see life as a spreadsheet, which is kind of <laughs> sad. But and I shouldn't do it because. Everything doesn't need to be categorized, but that's the way I do it. So, yeah. And that's the way I like when I would, especially when I first got to high school, like I'd do that with people. So, this guy's a homeboy. You know, yeah. That's what I used to call him. Yep. Yep. This guy's a surfer. He's a skater. I'm a football player. Just, this guy's a muso. Yeah. He's a grunge dude, metalhead. Like everyone had, well, not even a label, but that's what you were. That was your yeah. identity. That was your identity. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, 
I, I don't know. I think it's a habit I I built from that and applied it pretty much to everything because I don't know. It made me feel safe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And it was it makes things simpler. Yeah, more simple. Yeah. And I think I knew. Oh, I felt better knowing where something went. Yeah, or where I thought it went. Okay. So. No, like so. I hear this, and I've never really thought too much. Oh, I just I hear this, and I just think, well, it's one inch, or it's one inch punch, or it's, you know, when it was my youth crisis, that's what my youth crisis, that's what they did. But like, hearing that, I hear more, as weird as it sounds, like because I can't see it being as popular. But like, I hear heaps of Euro stuff in that. Yeah, wow. Like heaps of Euro skate punk, like um, like you know, early No Fun at All and early Millencolin, and as yeah. opposed to. Bad religion or no effects and that kind of yeah, yeah which right. which is odd like because not many bands really take that like if your band's going to take a cue if an Australian band's going to take a cue from something, it's generally going to be a US yeah yeah to, totally. reference, but yeah I mean and I could be full of shit but like I just hear that and just hear heaps of European like heaps of that burning heart stuff. I hear a bit of fringe, like pop punk stuff like on like something like screw 32 or something. yeah yeah okay some of that kind of heckle some of that kind of stuff yeah. that's borderline you know not quite on the big labels kind of thing but or they're just around touching around but they're not popular kind yeah of thing. yeah but again that's something i've built up in my head i think over that's time. fair enough see yeah. so i guess this would be a gateway into well it is a gateway into hardcore yeah but uh, it definitely wasn't at the time, though. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah. So to me, that was just another punk band. Yeah. So, like, I just thought I didn't even, I guess there was metal. And I'd heard some metal from my a couple of my brother's friends were just totally into, like, Bolt Thrower and <laughs> yeah. just, you know. The mad shit. Yeah, yeah, the good shit. And so that was an extreme category that was, you know, way over there. Yep. And everything else, punk was just here and Gangster Rap was over there. And yep. Grunge was kind of over there, whatever. But yeah, so I kind of didn't think hardcore was not on my radar or anything. And and then towards finish high school and just kept buying CDs kind of thing. And then the next year I, s- I started going to uni and um, kept going to shows. So pretty much every epitaph or fat band that rolled through, I kind of saw them. But yep. in 97... Um, Somehow I missed, I missed Civ, but I had the CD. Okay. And I even had a shirt because I liked them. I think I saw the a film clip on Rage. Yeah, the one that's like a talk show. Yeah. Yeah, for Set Your Goals. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that was it. Yeah. yeah. But for some reason I didn't go. And I don't, I'm still baffled. I still don't know how I missed it. Did they play their own show? I always thought they did like, they came out with a weird like. They uh, played the Annandale. Okay, they did their own show. Yeah. Yeah, right. Because in my mind they play. Because during '97, at I think it was. I thought they played a festival for some reason. Potentially, yeah. yeah okay, but then yeah, there's every chance they did a sideshow. Yeah, yeah. But during '97, yeah, going to all those shows. I think we went to me and my mate Greg from high school. We um we just pretty much went to everything we could. Yep. Because that was just that was our socializing. Yeah. Pretty much like. Did you have to know the band or you were just like, hey, that band looks like it's... Hold on. If it was on a label that was familiar or one of the kind of bigger bands, so it was like, I don't know, any fat band, any epitaph band. Yep. I think even those Swedish bands we went to. Yeah. um, Yeah, we'd go pretty much. So 
Um, I think it was. Yeah, and we missed. We missed me and me and my other mate Ben. We um, Simpson. Yeah, Simpson. We missed. We What's missed, up, Ben? Yeah, <laughs> Ben, legend. <laughs> we um, we missed. We missed Agnostic Front. We were we were out one night at the local pub, and um, out west, out west, yeah, and um, a bunch of dudes we know. I think they were there at the start of the night, and then they disappeared. Yeah, right. And then they came back because we'd stay out till like three in the morning because that's when it shut. And we yeah. were always there till close because we were just playing pool. Yeah, just talking shit, and they all came back and they were all wearing like. Fresh agnostic front, front shirts, yep. singlets, and we're like, "What the fuck? Where have they? Like, what the hell's going on here?" Yeah, and we totally missed that. And we, I think, I know in hindsight, I, I really wish I would have gone because I, I think after that, every release, AS release afterwards, aren't as good. So this was, so this would have been, yeah, prior to when they signed Epitaph. Yeah, yeah, before that. Yeah, that era of AF. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, but um. Yeah, so during 97, we pretty much went to most sh- shows that rolled through Sydney. Yep. And um, we were at one of them. I think it was I think it was Gutter Mouth, as embarrassed as I am to say this. But the support band. The support band was Mind Snare. Yep. But it wasn't Mind like, a mate, Another mate of ours from school came and for some reason he was like, man, Mind Snare are awesome. And I was kind of looking at him going, <laughs> fuck, it doesn't sound... It's so different. Yeah. But it was like whatever. Like I probably didn't even notice. But the big turning point at that show was um, a bunch of the dudes that I used to see walking through Penrith Plaza. Skaters. Bunch of skaters, yeah. yeah. I was, uh, we were sitting down and um, one of them started talking to me. He's like, oh, something like where'd you get your shirt from or something like that. Is this your one-inch punch shirt? No, nah, it was something else. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. But we got talking and then he's like, yeah, you look familiar. And um, just saying what, like where we lived and stuff. And I said, yeah. oh, yeah, I work in the plaza at this shop. He goes, that's where I've seen you before. Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, right. I said, oh, yeah, I see you guys roll through every Thursday. I probably said something like, don't you have something better to do? Or, <laughs> don't you have homework or something? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> something, <laughs> something smart that yeah. probably should have got a punch in the head. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, so that was um, this guy, Chris Middleton. And... Um, yeah, we we I think it was the next week. He he told me he was going to drop some CDs into the shop. And we'll do a trade. I'll um I'll bring a bunch for him. He brings a bunch for me. And I thought, I uh, thought no, that's probably bullshit. Like he won't do it. Yeah. Next Thursday night, I'm working. He just walks straight up to the shop, drops down a bag of CDs. So probably about ten CDs in there. Yeah. And I brought some just in case, but I thought it's, oh, not, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I can't remember what I lent him because I wouldn't have had anything really good. So it was literally just like you were – I mean, you both got the same at stake, but you were yeah. literally just swapping CDs, just yeah. to see, like no dubbing or anything. No, CDs. Yep. And then we said, oh, um, next Thursday. We'll swap back. Yeah, drop yeah. in. Or, yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure that's what we did, or even on the weekend. Yep. But I don't think I would have got through that many CDs on the weekend. But in the um, – the list he gave in the the pile he gave me, he um he didn't have much, no fat or yeah epitaph stuff. It was all hardcore stuff. Okay, and he had a bunch of he had a bunch of um, I guess you could call it pop punk stuff, but it was stuff that was like fringe stuff, like bowl weevils and yeah, right, okay, just 
in that kind of vein. I can't really remember much else, but it was all like not the obvious stuff. Yeah. And I was like, like all stuff I kind of looked at probably in shops or in street cleaner yep. catalog or whatever and thought, oh, that's interesting, but. wonder what it is. Yeah. If I don't have the money, like I'd buy yeah. one or two CDs a fortnight, if that. Yeah. And it was stuff that you'd never take a risk on. Like it yeah. wasn't enough. You couldn't take a pun on it. Yeah, because yeah. once you take a pun on it, you're going to get three, four, three or four dollars back if you trade the CD in. Yeah, you're losing money. Yeah. Yeah, and so he dropped off this bag of CDs, and I, I tried to remember what's in it. Like I can remember most of them, but I think there was a couple more. But it, um, it had um, battery until the end, floor punch, the twin killing CD that had just come out. Yeah. Um. This is like mid-97. Um, Face Value, band from Cleveland um, with Tony Erba called Kick It Over. Murphy's Law, a dedicated um, LP they did. The um, I think there's Profile Records that did those double CD or double albums of um, a bunch of New York hardcore releases and he had the, the one that was Liberty and Justice and um, Agnostic Front, Liberty and Justice Horror and Cause for Alarm. Yeah. Um, the cause for alarm Warzone split CD, um, Warzone's sounds for a revolution, and um, cause for alarm birth after birth, and I think there may have been another couple that probably weren't that good. So where's he so, getting these from? So Chris and I, yeah, we we started trading CDs and like it, I just dubbed these and I remember the order that I dubbed them on the tape because yeah. I eventually listened to them so much. And he was pretty much um, – he worked as a shift worker at a printing press. So he would do like – I think it was like three 12-hour shifts a week. And he had a bit of cash to spend on CDs and stuff. And he'd just go into the city and um, he'd scour like some second-hand places. But um, I started <coughs> meeting up with him on yeah. the days off from uni. And we'd go into the city together and just go through like. So you were studying out Western Sydney, but yeah, yep. Okay. But it was kind of uh, I was at Westmead and and at Kingswood, a bit all over the place. Yep, different campuses, and um, he'd swing by the shop, and we'd organise because we didn't have mobile phones. Yeah, swing by the shop and we'd work out. And he didn't have a home phone, <laughs> so he'd, he'd swing by the shop and we'd work out which days we'd go into the city because I always had the same day off, um, uni. And oh we yeah, would have a rotating roster, so he knew. Which days he could what do it. What would work, yeah. yeah. So we'd go into this, roll into the city, just um, go through like Silver Rocket, Phantom, Waterfront. Red Eye. The Red Eye stores. Yeah. I think it was like three or something at one yeah. stage. Utopia. I think even like Lawson's, all the older secondhand places. Yeah. And just spend like, I don't know, three or four hours just going through everything. And I would always like, we'd always find stuff to buy and we'd have lunch and play pool and stuff and at a pub or somewhere in the city and um, occasionally towards the end of 97 he would, he'd be like, oh, I'm going to resist, going to Newtown. And I was just thinking, well, I've spent my money. Yeah. I don't want to go to Newtown, have to come back and then have to go back into the city. And that was when you when you bought your train ticket, you, well, you only had to show it. There was no gates or anything. Yeah, so it's flash at the guard. Could have done it, yeah. But it was like it seemed – and I, I kind of knew where Newtown was, but I didn't know by train. I only knew by walking because I used to yeah. – because when we'd go to shows, we'd just walk from Central Station up to the uni. Through, through yeah, the yeah. And then to get to Newtown, just walk through the – hook around through the back of the uni. Yep. And so 
he'd, he'd go, oh, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll catch up with you later. I'll see you at the shop on next Thursday or whatever. Um, I'll pick up those CDs or whatever. Yeah. And then um, it was right right at the very end of of um, 97. Um, I think it was between – I'm pretty sure it was between Christmas and New Year's. Um, I went into the city and I just – for some reason I thought, oh, fuck it, I'm going to Newtown. I think I had to, I don't know why but I just I, – I think I'd been in the city the week before and knew that – I kind of from memory knew what was in there. Went to Waterfront quickly, saw that there was no new releases yep. on the chalkboard. Or oh, yeah, yeah. On the, yeah. Yeah. And then um, went to went to Newtown, went to Resist, just walked down, kind of knew where King Street was. Yep. Went to Resist and walked in there and kind of just got stared at. <laughs> but that, that's when there was like a dozen CDs on the shelf yep. back then and they, there was probably more skate stuff than CDs. Yeah. And so where was it prior to being – it wouldn't have been in Australia Street. No, where was it prior before to that? that? King Street, further down on the station side but further towards St. the Peters. south end. Yeah. Yep. And um, past the sand – on the other side of the sand over further down. Yep, okay. Down there there's, there's a set of lights right near there. And so pretty much just I knew cause for alarm from borrowing it off Chris. Yep. And just picked up a cause for alarm that I hadn't seen before. Bought it and got out of there because I felt so intimidated. Yeah, I won't say who was in there. No, but I thought, Sydney's hardcore elite. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And um, I'll edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> yeah. So and then and then listened to it and I thought, oh, I got home, listened to it and I thought, man, this is fucking, this is so good. And I was loving the the tapes that I had from Chris and kept getting more more and more hardcore. And then pretty much I reckon that was just the tipping point. Yeah, right. That that day I went to resist. And then the ne- next time I went in during the week and Graham was in there. Okay. And pretty much he just got, I think within that week, he got a whole bunch of new stuff in like all this ni- US 97 era youth crew kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, that... Like by the time he got it, it was like very like January '98, I think it was or February '98, probably okay. January. And he was just recommending me stuff, and I was just eating it up. Like yeah, I remember getting like the growing stronger comp, the tension building fanzine with the comp, and like all this, um, all these seven inches. I loved it. It was so good. It was just like this whole new world. It was just like when I decided to get into music again. Yeah. In high school, it's just like same kind of I've cracked, like excitement. I've cracked something that really resonates with me. Yeah, yeah. Just the look, like even just the the layouts, because I'm so into visuals that just seeing kids jumping around with their running shoes on and stuff. I thought that that's me. That's you. Man. Yeah, yeah. That's me. They're angry at the world for no particular reason. <laughs> just because they're young. They're probably white suburban kids yeah. like me that with, yeah. they, that have got everything they need. Probably not much more, <laughs> but everything yeah. they they do need. You yeah, know? which is more than more than a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, probably no reason to be angry, but at that age, most people are angry. Yeah, yeah, and then that was really the the tipping point. So after that, it was just hardcore. Floodgates open. Yeah, yeah. Every show, local shows, everything. So, and that was a, that was such a good year because it was like, I think, um, I think a Vale and Lagwagon was right at the start of that year. Sun ninety eight. So yeah, it's cool to see a Vale. Yeah, and then um, so you were into you were into a Vale. Yeah, I had a I had um. Did you go? You went to one of those shows. Yeah, I went to the Overage. 
All age. Overage. I'm pretty sure at the Metro. Metro, yeah, yeah, yeah. So were you there for a veil or were you there for Lagwain or you were just there because it was a show? Um, I went with a couple of mates from school and one of the and one of the one of my mates' sister as well. And I think we were there just for the whole show. Like no Okay. It was a show. We just, yeah. It was a so you just so, went to it. Yeah. Yeah. Much. I don't think there was no burning desire to see anyone, but it was just to be to hang out, to go somewhere. Yeah. So if I ever do a and like I've talked to someone about doing it, like me doing my own episode, like so someone talking to me like I'm talking like, you yeah. know, and I be the guest, like that will that is hand on heart a pivotal moment in my life. Oh yeah. That show, the all age show. Oh, that's cool. Because of Avail. Yeah. And because of like I'm I'm sure I mentioned it to Bo Butler when I talked to him many episodes ago. Like it was like I was going in the direction because I was a Lagwagon fan. Yeah. And then I saw a val and I went, like I'm still going in the same direction, but yeah. I'm now gonna take a different path because well, of how good a Vale were. I knew a Vale were on I'm pretty sure we weren't listening to them like me and Ben. Yeah. And one of my other mates. And we I'm pretty sure we weren't listening to them. <laughs> but I knew they were on lookout. Yeah. And they were kind of one of those fringe bands yep. that probably Chris had CDs of already. Yeah. Like one of the stuff that he was across. But yeah, once we saw him, we were like, "It was over." Yeah, yeah, this is this is cool. Yeah, yeah, down with this. Yeah, but then that was such a good year because then we started going to like going to resist regularly. Yep, Graham was doing shows like at the Newtown PCYC. Yep, things like FMD Seven Inch Launch, like they were our floor punch kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, like, floor punch were the hype band in the states. We saw it on the zine, started seeing stuff on the internet, started using it at uni and stuff. Yep. But then Strife, Madball, sick of it all that year. Yep. We could riddance. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we. I mean, we went and saw them three nights in a row. Yeah. Yeah, we just loved going to shows. Like we just went to everything and everything. Yep. Went to all the Madball shows in Sydney, all the Sydney shows, and then I guess later years started when we, when I got a car later on that year started just driving up to Newcastle. Yep. Down to Wollongong. Going everywhere. Sick. Yeah, because that was our that was our social life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it was. Yeah, yeah. That was your going to a football game or totally. Yeah, and I used to go to like state league football games by myself and just pump hardcore on the way there and just yep. yeah and go and watch a football game and listen to hardcore there or go to resist or find a game that was like close to the city, go and watch the game and then go to resist. Go or resist. Get, yeah. Spend some cash. Yeah. So. We talked about before we recorded this. I reckon we met. I'm going to say we would have met in about 2000 ish, maybe two. Oh, I don't know. If we talked about that, but but I reckon we would have crossed paths about 2000, 2001. Um, maybe maybe 99, but yeah, you know, around that kind of era. Yeah. But when I was when I first heard about you, was through. I guess it would have been. Did you were you friends with Ben Brady? No. Nah, uh, or you just kind of knew him, or friends of friends? I knew him because he. I'd see him out like drinking and stuff in the local area because he's out was, that way, yep. yeah, lower mountains as well. Yeah, I knew him from being from him being in the band with Paul. Yeah, because I knew I knew Paul because I went to I actually played football against Paul Paul who sang in um, Bad Blood. Yep, and Boneless under 11s or something. Yeah, right. And I recognised some people like, for some reason I recognised people's faces. Yeah, okay. And I recognised him when I worked in the Penrith Plaza, so I used to see him. Passing through and stuff. He had green hair at one stage, like, like long hair. Yeah. yeah, he's out of control. <laughs> and then 
and then when I went to uni, his wife was doing the same course as me. So okay. whenever there'd be a party or something, he'd come too with Jade. Yep. And then we'd just talk about all – like because I, um, I did health science, like PE teaching at uni, so it was pretty okay. much sport people. Paul and I would just shift to the side of the crowd and just talk about punk music. Sick. Yeah. So, yeah. So knew Paul for ages and then um, – yeah, just – um. I think through Paul, I probably met Ben. Yeah, right. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I knew I knew of Ben for a, for a long time, but then, um, yeah, then actually, I think I probably only actually met Ben when I jammed with him, and the first time I had a go at trying to do a band. I've I've never. Let's put a pin in that story because right. I've never heard that story before. I've never heard this before. This is a revelation. Yeah. But when I first like kind of heard about you. Ben was like, "Oh, there's these guys who live in the like who live where I live in the Blue Mountains, who like they have like all these quote unquote famous like hardcore like US hardcore guys come and stay with them or whatever." And I was like, "That doesn't compute. Like, how are there these guys in in the Blue Mountains, not in the city, but in the Blue Mountains that have like hardcore guys come and hang out with them? Like, what? How the fuck do they end up there?" So, like, when we we're talking about this pre- previous to hit and record, you were like, I'll save that one for the podcast. So now we're going. Who who stayed with you? How did, who was it and how did it all tee up? Uh, well, or have I blown this story out of proportion? No, I wouldn't. I okay. Mean, I see everyone equal, so they're not famous to me. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just dudes. Dudes. Yeah. So I guess the kind of hardcore I got into in the, the late 90s, like there wasn't that much to choose from, but it was all that kind of, I guess, youth crew whatever but i liked pretty much everything because that was before everything went metal and yep overly fashionable and stuff like that yep so i used to always like when i got a chance at uni when i started using the internet would look online and started looking at the revelation records message board and ah right okay and the mullet board yep xmulletx.com yeah that was the boston kind of thing were and you I, on that board? Like no, nah, so there was like um a, you had t- to, a test that you had, you had to do the to questions, do. yeah, yeah. But it was a joke, as far as I know. Like they just let people in if they wanted. Like it was just like a inside group. So all the people that were on there pretty much knew each other. Like outside of the message board, yeah. yeah. Or if you're in a band, you knew this bit, like kind yep. of thing. So and I think they and there was a bunch of fake names and stuff on there, which you could figure out. Yeah, kind of thing from the shit they'd say. So you, it was open. It was open, so you could just read the threads. But you could, but in order to post, you had to go through there. Yeah, their yeah. Gatekeeper. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Okay. And I think Bob from that um, Axe to Grind yeah. podcast was one of them. Was like a gatekeeper. Um, I think so. I think he, right. he mentioned that he was. <laughs> Sick. But I so I used to read that board pretty much, you know, daily every second day because it was just funny shit. Yep. And it was just stuff from dudes in all different bands but the cool thing was that whenever a new demo got released that was kind of in the kind of vein of stuff that i liked yeah that's where you heard about it pretty much and that's where they had the ordering details and so i would always and there was always a minimum order of two for international so i'd always be ordering doubles of demos okay so i'd be down at the post office writing postal checks like u.s money order things yeah um sending them off and just getting mail all the time and i'm pretty sure that because um we had a post office box we didn't have like a letterbox at our house okay and i'm pretty sure the people at the news agents i made them work for their money because they just got the <laughs> shits and they but they never say it to me they'd say it to my mum. so yeah right 
Yeah, so it's kind of funny. But um, yeah, so government workers make <laughs> thirty six hours a yeah. week or something. Yeah, jeez. No, nah, I think <laughs> I think I think it was it was a news agent and they had yeah, a um a post office attached yeah, or whatever. It was yeah, a little little side hustle kind yeah. of. Yeah, it wasn't little once I um got me <laughs> into it. <laughs> once you uh, lurked the X mullet X board. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it was that and some other. I mean, other websites were starting to build up, but it was mostly the mullet board. And on there, I um saw. Um, John LaCroix, who was in Ten Yard Fight. Yep. And um, Jeff Newman, who was in um, Better Than a Thousand and In My Eyes. This was two thou- in 2000. Yeah. yeah. They were travelling around the world and they were meet- both meeting up in Sydney. And then they wanted to do some cool shit. And they were just talking about it. They weren't asking for recommendations or anything. This from memory. Yeah. They said, oh, we're going to do some cool shit in Sydney, like wrestle kangaroos and just trying to be funny and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I – and emails are always – you could always see them. And yep. so I just emailed them both and said, man, if you want to see some kangaroos, like I'll, yeah. I live in Sydney, I'll, I'll show you if you want. Yeah. And they emailed me back and they're like, yeah, right. I said, oh, I live in the Blue Mountains, which is like, you know, tourist hotspot. Yep. Just call my number. This is my, num- my number at home. Give me a call once you get here. We'll work something out. Yeah. And we did. And they drove up for the day and they – um crashed at my place and um at my parents place and um that day when they came up we jumped in my car went out to the national park and i took them to see some kangaroos and i would have been stoked yeah there was no wrestling going on nah, fuck john no. shit himself yeah they get their ass kicked understandably yeah there are only little kangaroos out there that's still, still fuck you up still yeah yeah and <laughs> yeah, then we just um did that and then t- went to some lookouts and stuff and then went and played aqua golf down at penrith good as you do at the uh Panthers. Yeah, Panthers, yep. yeah. It's a rite of passage here, yep. a tourist. Yep. And then just went out that night, played pool and stuff, and then they crashed at my parents' place. And then um, I did an interview for a zine I was trying to do the next morning, and then they packed Blood up. Bloodstains? Uh, was black, that the- Blacklisted. I had one called Blacklisted. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah, that was before the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, did that, and then they – I think from there, I remember they were in the driveway in the rental car, and they're like, I'm like, where are you going? And they're like, such and such a street. And I'm like, where's that? It doesn't sound familiar. And they're like, oh, it's in Melbourne. And I remember it was the first time I saw a GPS and they're typing it in and, yeah, right. and it's giving them the instructions like reverse, then turn right, then turn left. I'm like, fuck, how did it know that? I'm like, that's, 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 that's right. That's some future shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they weren't too long in Sydney, but yeah. Yeah. I just hung out with them. They're funny dudes. Get some stories. Nothing like you nah. need to share because of their stories. No, nah, not like, that many. No. Just not hanging like, out? Yeah, just talking shit. Yeah. Pretty much. See? Yeah, nothing like, nothing wild. Like even in the, the interview I did for my zine, it was all music related because that's what I was like totally into. So yep. got a few little tidbits here and there of things did that they did. Like I didn't know John played in Reach the Sky for a bit. I didn't know that Jeff played in Carry On for a little bit. Like just all little right. things like that. Just shows like odd shows here and there. Yeah, I think I think they both may have played in Right Brigade for a little bit, which I I was totally into. Yeah. So yeah, so that's and then around that time actually, so when I met them in Sydney, I told them to turn up to a show, and that show happened to be Hardcore. Was it Hardcore? No, this this must have been two thousand one. Yeah, it was two thousand one because, yep. or was it? Yeah, it must have been. Uh, 2001 because Hardcore 2001 was at the Green Square 
Yeah, two thousand. The one that got filmed. Yeah, two thousand was at um, the Iron Duke. Iron Duke, yeah. Yeah, so I told them to go to that show, and then I just saw them at the bar, but, but and then oh, not drinking at the bar, but saw them at the bar and just went up and introduced myself and said, yeah, just give me a call tomorrow when you're going to drive up to my um, to the mountains and stuff, and yeah, we'll right, sort that out. But prior to that, is when I met Ben Brady, because. Um, being mates with Paul, their band had kind of um, fizzled out. Yeah, fizzled out, and um, I think I think Paul, yeah, Paul totally pulled it together. Um, so Dan, yeah, Scott, yeah, yeah, um, Nathan, who played drums in Bad Blood, his brother is a little bit of a weapon on guitar. Yeah, and um, and Ben on drums, and Paul on bass, and I had to go sing in the band. Yeah. And so they had a re- rehearsal space. I used to meet at Blacktown, which was halfway between where they all kind of lived. Yep. And um, they played some of their old songs, I think, just to warm up and stuff. And then we did a Kid Dynamite song. Wow. And a token entry song. Okay. That birthday song. That yeah, which Kid, Kid Dynamite, Dynamite did as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we did that once at Blacktown. Then we did it once at Penrith, jammed once. And then nothing – I can't remember. I don't think anything happened after that. They must have thought I just was rubbish <laughs> because, yeah. But I thought that could have been really cool. Like, Because then, then they – They were such nice dudes. They did Offset. Uh, this was after Offset. Oh, this is off, – okay, after right. Offset, yeah, yeah, after Offset. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think Fuzznut was before that. Fuzznut was way earlier. Yeah. I can't remember the uh, – Chronological. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, yeah, so that could have been something. That was something that I, I would have wanted to happen, but I just thought, ah, oh, well, no idea because we didn't record it or anything, so I had no idea if it sounded how it all remotely sounded. Yeah. good or how bad, but I assumed it was terrible because <laughs> I never heard back from them. <laughs> never got but the Paul call. kept talking to me, so. Couldn't have been that bad. Yeah. Yeah. I figure, yeah. Still maybe maybe th- he felt sorry for me. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe it was a pity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah see. Um. So have we got a song to sum this area up, like, or do you want to talk about, you know, the? Well, yeah. What no, do you got? So what do you got on your notes? I'll edit that part out and we'll make it smoother. But yeah. No. So so that when I kind of flipped the switch and and turned into a hardcore kid. Yeah. I just um, just kept digging and digging and digging and finding old stuff and just really enjoying bands that were covering old stuff. Okay. And just covering th- or like No, nah, covering so okay. yeah, yeah. like recording old stuff and then just I just kept digging. Like I just it was that search for more. Yeah. And it wasn't just the old stuff, it was like getting these demos in the mail and sometimes you'd hit gold and other times it'd yeah. be like pretty average, but at the same time that was a point of a demo. And the reason I was doing that because Graham wasn't getting that stuff in. Okay. But I could get pretty much everything else from Graham. Yeah. Like I could tell him I went from having no idea that you could order stuff in for CDs <laughs> to to scouring the the very distro catalog and stuff and getting Graham to order stuff in whether yeah. it was um third tier European youth crew <laughs> which he probably just laughed at me and thought keep buying this stuff yeah. <laughs> it's always your pain yeah, I'll yeah get you're putting it. Yep. the food on the yep. on the table um but yeah and just kept digging and digging and digging and it was only um I don't think it's ever really stopped. It's it's slowed down a little bit. But yeah, hasn't really stopped. But then, um, once it got to a, a point, of like trying to do some zines and stuff, and just meeting a lot of people, meeting the dudes in restraint, um, Bursky and Ricky and 
and Peter Bordy and Justine and Steve and um, just hanging out with them more. Yeah. And joking around and actually Last Nerve was a joke band. Yeah. Like it was just a joke name. Because your first first show was half covers, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Hardcore 2002. So it was a joke and then... I don't know if Graham thought it was a band, but he said, "Oh, he wanted a new band to open." There weren't any other new bands, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because that's what he did for. I think he tried to do it most years. So taking yeah. sides the next year. Yeah, that's right. Taking sides the next year. Yeah. yeah, and then even when we did Bad Blood, that was our first show for 2005. Yeah. And so it was. It was a bit of a joke band, and um, it actually it actually was wasn't going to happen. Then it was going to happen because um, we kind of put a lineup together and we had um Bursky was keen. I don't know how keen, but he said he was keen. Yeah. I think I think I'd asked Mick by then. And I think Bish, who was um who's filling in in restraint at the time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Was gonna do it. And then um then when we I went to Melbourne with restraint and we had the van crash. Yeah. But I remember after that thinking I want nothing to do with music. Music almost killed me. Like understandable. It's the only reason. Like I was in such a shit place. Like I was just like, oh, I've just done it again. I've put all my eggs in one basket again. And then, but then, after a week, I found myself back at Resist, and I was, I was thinking how nice Justine and Amanda and Olivia, who um, the girls that were coming down with us, the meeting us in Melbourne, they looked after everything. Yeah. For us after the crash and how nice they were. And if it wasn't for music, people like that wouldn't have helped me. Yeah. So I was so off it. And then, but then kind of came around and realized that, nah, they're, I can't let the bad shit. I saw the, the weird silver lining kind of thing. Yeah. The bad shit like overwhelmed the good stuff. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, I'll, I'll try and get this band together. And, um, yeah, and and Paul was going to play bass at one stage, and then um we kind of stopped talking about it. I think after the crash and stuff, mm-hmm. and then a boardy said, "No, nah, I'll play bass," and we're like, "Yeah, right. If you want to do it, kind of thing." Like, because it was never serious, and then yeah. it was actually coming together, and I was shocked. So then, for that first show, we had a couple of had two or three practices, I think. Yeah, and Ricky was there at the first one. <laughs> Helping us out, and then um, and Gabe was at the next one because Gabe flew in yep. from the states. I picked him up, and he came to straight to our practice. I think crashed at my house for a week, and then um, yeah, hardcore two thousand and two. We opened the show, and it was something. It was it was like a gap in the market. I thought like there was something different that I wanted to looking at the mullet board and all this stuff going on in the US. I was totally into that. Like people say, oh, a Boston sound or something like that, which I think saying things like a Boston sound or New York hardcore doesn't mean shit because they all the bands sound different. Yeah. Well, it's just like just say it if they're from yeah. like a certain place. But I love that that era of that really early or late, very late 90s, early 2000s era of Boston hardcore because there was such a variety of sounds. Yeah. And so I saw a parallel with Sydney for that. So okay. Yeah, bands like Not For You. Yep. AVO. Restraint. The Blurters, Restraint. Yep. Like such a big variety of bands. All Sydney hardcore. Yeah. All Sydney hardcore, but no one yeah. no one was copying anyone else. Yep. 
like there was that variety and it just wasn't the scale of bands I guess at the time and then all the dudes up in Hornsby doing other – I used to go to those shows. Okay. To those shows a lot by myself and yep. and talk to a few of those guys sometimes and they had different bands going on. Everyone sounded different. Yeah. And I thought that was fucking cool but yeah. there was something – there was it was missing my interpretation of hardcore. Yeah, okay. Or what I what I thought was a bit of a gap and I just thought, oh, I'll have a go and see what happens. And so Yeah, so you pieced it all together. Pretty much. Fumbled yep. it all together. Yeah. Pe- piece is probably yeah. a bit um, generous. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds a bit too organised. Yeah. 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 Like, well, it was like I said earlier, like beyond that first show, I kind of failed to plan beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, did that first show. And if, I think it was, you know, it was a good way to start the show maybe, like something different. Yeah. And it kind of worked. And um the second show, because everyone else was in another band um, except for Rory and I, I think Rory had left Stronger Than Hate by then. Yeah. And Restraint was already going, didn't want to didn't want to break up any bands or tread on anyone's toes and yep. Mick had irrelevant. So we um we said, oh, that, um, we'll do a – when the Ensign toured, we'll do a split set with Restraint. That's our last show. And then, you know, it won't conflict with anyone else's. Yep. So it was already hard to find the time to practice and stuff. And then – so we did that and then um, – Because someone – I have a feeling someone made a – was it you that at that show that had like only in it for the money or something? No, nah, that was Tim. Right. What was what did his shirt say? Um, something about the green. I, got a, I had a photo of it yeah, somewhere. Right. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. Last note with a dollar sign. That's the, uh, that's right. Yeah, last yeah. note with a dollar sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> so I went on, did that tour with Graham Ensign tour. Yep. And then the last show was another Sydney show at Bizzo's. and um, I think it was a last minute kind of thing, trying to squeeze a show in. Yeah. Potentially, and um, relevant played. You played bass, I think. Is that that show? I'm pretty sure that was it. So so I think you jumped on and played. Yeah. So Paul. Paul Amistoy, yeah. the bass player, yeah. was down at the snow. This is all coming back to me. Paul Amistoy, I someone sent me a Dan Wexler sent me a photo of that the other day. Yeah, well, like all other day. Well, he was playing guitar. Then, he was playing guitar in the band. He was like in this in the last month. In the last month, he sent me this photo. I was like, I have no fucking recollection of this ever happening. Like I said, I was like, I know it was at the Bizzos because you could just tell because it was a shit stage. Yeah, but. I was like, I couldn't tell you what show this is. But that's exactly it. Because yeah. um I have a feeling Badanga played. Yeah, probably. Badanga would have I think Badanga opened it and Paul Amistoy was down at the snow and couldn't get home in time because it was a last such a last minute thing or he already had his shit planned. Yeah. And they were just like, Do you want to play it? So I played it and then someone else played Oh, and Bursky played half the set. Ah, that's right. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a photo of Bursky playing my bass at that show. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So while I was away, the others kind of got together and said, yeah, we'll we'll play. And I'm like, but we've broken up. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but it was fun. Yeah. So I said, oh, well, well, fuck it, we'll do it. Yep. And we did it. And then I don't know if we did anything else at the end of that year. Maybe we did one other show. I can't really remember. And then... Early 2003, Graham said he was bringing the Cro-Mags out and he said um, there weren't that many Sydney bands at the time and he wanted like a, you know, like a token opener. Yeah. He said, do you guys want to do it? And I said, oh, check with the others obviously. Yep. 
but I said, obviously we would want to do it, but I'll check with everyone else and we did it. And then we decided if we're going to do that, we should get our shit together and do a demo, have a demo out for yeah. it. Because uh, Ricky, Pete, myself and Graham drove the two vans around for the Cromag tour. So we figured if we had the demo, we could take it to every city as well. Yep. Because we knew kids everywhere pretty much. Yeah, pass it around. Yeah, and get it, get it out there. And um, just because it was easier to do that rather than going to the post office. And yep. There's <laughs> nothing worse than sending mail. I love getting it. Yes. I hate sending it. Yes. But yeah, and then so we got that sorted for um, the Cromag show and then, yeah, started playing more and more shows and then that kind of rolled into a terror tour later on the end of the year and we figured well, we should have a seven inch. We'll try and do a seven inch for that and just squeeze that in before it, um, well, we got the CD out in time. Yeah, that's right. Corduroy, the pressing plant in Melbourne, shit the bed when it came to uh, the delivering the vinyl, which yeah. we were so, we had so much lead time for, like Graham was so organised, we had everything sorted. Yep. Like we even had to reprint the covers because they thought, for some strange reason that both sides of a seven inch had to be equal time and we'd already printed the covers. So we had to rearrange the songs and reprint the covers, which I just paid out of my own money and just I just wanted to I wanted that seven inch to be spot on and just Yeah. And they balls it up big time. Hence the hence the elusive fuck corduroy press. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well they when where I was working at the time, they didn't know I was in a band, and I didn't want to tell them because I didn't want to have to deal with a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you sound like, what do you sound like Metallica or yeah? yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeez, hate that. Yeah. yeah, but they easily got wind of it because I was on the corduroy on the phone every day, <laughs> every day up. for about two months. Yeah, yeah. saying where's our records? Where's our records? Yeah, where's our record? <laughs> like nonstop. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure I just had a script. I read the same thing over and over. What made you think you could like this is gonna this I don't want this to sound offensive, but what made you think you could front a band? Just the uh, pure determination of this is what I want to hear, so this is what I'm gonna do. Kind of. I thought there was something missing. Yeah. And I just thought to me, everyone in the at Hardcore Show was equal. So I thought it was awesome that you'd see you'd be standing next to a dude that would be maybe drinking a beer or whatever and yep. all of a sudden one band finishes and he goes up and starts setting up. Yep. I thought, oh man, that's just cool. Everyone's equal. Everyone's the same. And that's how I always still see it. Like, yeah. When people say, oh, I have idols or this is who I look up to, it's like, I don't have any of that. Like, yeah. Like, we're all mates. Punt, yeah. Yeah. We're all the same. Like, I don't care how good your band is. Like, everyone's the same to me. See. And and so I thought, with that, it, like, unconsciously thought, oh, well, I can, other people are doing it and it doesn't sound that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I reckon I could have a go. Like it can't be that bad. Like I'm not gonna. I'm not into screaming. The kind of hardcore I like. Yeah, you don't need that safe. kind of voice. Yeah, it's pretty safe. Yeah, so. it's it's hard to it's hard to mess it up. Yeah, it's more of just a yelling delivery. Yeah, as opposed to any kind of melodic. Yeah, or yeah. Well, listen to the Chromags or Bad Rent or Floor Punch. Yeah, all those bands that you know people totally into, or the kind of hardcore I'm into, totally into. None of the vocalists are hard. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing hard about John Joseph's voice. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, so, but it works. Yeah. It works to a T. Like fantastic, yeah. Yeah, yeah see, I just, maybe it's looking, I mean, maybe it's looking at it through my rose-coloured glasses, but I just thought you guys kind of, 
with a band that unified everybody, whether they wanted to admit it or not. Like you, you could have like you played Terror, you played with Terror, and you played with Crow Mags, and you could have easily played with Mind Snare and Within Blood, and you could have easily played with Toe to Toe. Like you just could have, like where not all those bands could have played on the same lineups. You just fit in perfectly everywhere. Or is like is that me? Nah, I think that all those bands that you mentioned, I think that's all a similar like genre within a genre, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. But I think the, the reason why is not because of the sound or I think it's mostly because of the foundation of friendships that we had. Like we all yeah. knew multiple people in multiple places and we were all good friends with them. Like we'd all help them out in some way and we were all or I think we were always reliable when it came to gear or shows or turning up or giving money to other bands. Like we yep. didn't – like we always tried to do the right thing by everyone. Yep. And if Graham offered us a show – it wasn't because we were his mates or because of the band, like we were on his label, it was because he knew we would turn up with a new shirt design or something new we could offer, like, mm. and we would bring people for a different reason, yeah. maybe as well. So, and we put the effort in, I think he could see that. So, yeah, very much so. Even though we weren't the best band, but fuck, we had fun and we were let loose a little. So, what year did Last Nerve kind of finish? Hardcore 2002 was our first show. Yep. Hardcore 2005 was our last show. Yeah, right. Okay. And then Bad Blood and Hardcore 2005 was our first show. Yep. Hardcore 2009 was our last show. And then, so completely different lineup. Like, oh, sorry. No, yeah, totally different, different lineup. lineup. So the dudes so you're, from. Yeah, you're, so you're now playing bass in Bad Blood. Yeah, so the guys from Strength Within, they kind of had a few lineup changes and yep. they lived out near me. And yeah. I've been friends with Paul for years. And um, I remember I was I was hanging out with Belle, my now wife, and um, I was heading back to the mountains and um, they were out at a pub somewhere and they're like, oh, meet us here kind of thing. I was like, yeah, no problem. Like I always hung out with them. Yep. And they're like, oh, we sit down and like we're, we're thinking of starting another band. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. And they're like, do you want to play bass? And I'm like, fuck it, okay. Yep, let's do it. And I think probably – Within a week of that, I reckon I mess- emailed you yeah, and said, if you were going to start playing bass. Where would you go? What would you do? What would you buy? Yeah. Like what, what gear? Because like, I had some cash saved up and I, and I actually thought one day, because oh, I did have, I, I had an SG like guitar that I had and I thought, oh, maybe I could keep that and just keep and trying to get back into guitar or something. And I just yeah. never made the time to do it. Like, yeah. I was sitting down a little bit and doing it, but I was like, nah, I just didn't have something pushing me. Yeah. And so I sold that. And then, um, yeah, when that kind of suggestion was made, I thought, oh, that'll make me play. Like, that's maybe what I need. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then I hit you up and I well, think I remember being at work and just we were just emailing yeah. nonstop. Because I, I had email access but not internet access. Yeah. So I was yeah, just right. on email all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's why you were replying so quick. That's exactly right. Keep up. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so we were talking gear for... Yonks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sick. Yeah, so that was fun. Like I was so nervous about doing that when we had to put something together. So we thought for our first show we thought we'll have a demo ready. Yep. So Renner recorded that and... Just before that, I broke my wrist. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we got the demo together, and then after that, I went and got my uh, an operation on my wrist, get a 
metal bolt put in it to keep it together. Yep. And then um, so we didn't play for a little bit after that. But, yeah, I just um, put together the demo and then we slowly started getting, building shows up and, yeah, yeah, kept rolling with the design stuff and checking in with the other guys. And was, there a, was there a musical kind of goal with that or was it just like was it organic in the sense of like let's just get in a room and see what we can write? Um, Jake had Jake pretty much wrote all of it. Yeah, okay. But he had um, he hadn't been in a band for a bit. Well, he played in Strength Within for a while, but he hadn't been in a band for a bit before that. So I think he was just itching to play. Yep. And same with Nathan as well on drums and yeah. And Sword and Paul were just still. I mean, well, I think it was the first band that Paul sang in. So we were, we were just keen yeah, to see Paul yeah. sing and yeah, have a crack. Sword and just loves playing or just loved playing at the time. So. And I wanted to have a go, so there was lots of enthusiasm kind of going into it. And, yeah. And we were all mates, so. That helps. Uh, so much. Yeah. So. And especially, yeah, being local, you can kind of, you can have a life, you can have a friendship that doesn't have to be about the band. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And we, we used to always hang out outside of the band too, which is. Yeah. Which was good too, so. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. That was like, kind of like evolved and slowly got better and kind of found, slowly found our sound and. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, Nathan had to um, – he moved to Melbourne for work. Yep. So that kind of – we ended decided to end that in 2009. And then not long after, uh, Jake still had some songs written. I think – I don't know if they were for Bad Blood, but he had some – they're a bit more upbeat kind of thing and they kind of – his riffs kind of turned into vigilante songs. And then he kind of said, do you want to sing in a band again? And I was like, mm, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. He, his songs were too good. Yeah. Well, I loved them. I thought they were great. And then we jammed with Mick and um, and Jim, Mick from Irrelevant, Jim from the Deadwalk, Deadwalk and then yep. um, I think Mick could do it. I remember the the first jam we did. I think Mick was playing, and then he's like, "Oh," and we we stopped for a break, and we're like, he's, he's like stretching or doing something. I was like, oh, "Fuck, what's wrong with you?" And he's <laughs> like, "Oh, got hit by a car today." <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, that was my reaction too. Yeah, and yeah, he was telling us he got. Yeah. T-bone by a car on his pushy and oh yeah, I remember that yeah yeah yep. so yeah and then that was the only time we jammed with him and then um I think Jake was talking to Dean and Coyle from Hill Brigade yep and they just slotted in perfectly yeah Dean was playing guitar and Coyle on drums and off you go yeah same deal like we're all mates and we're all still mates not as close as we used to be but you know people yeah. got families and stuff and in different places but yeah yeah. That's it. Good, yeah. But Vigilante was awesome because we we couldn't really tour, but um, off the bat we seemed to do okay. Okay. And I really wanted to do something. And it did sound a lot Warzone-y kind of thing. And yeah. I love that era of Warzone that it was about the streets and giving back kind of thing. And what I could see in hardcore was none of that social justice stuff was happening. Yeah. And I think it had kind of got lost for years. Yeah. And so – to be able to do a band where you could sell enough T-shirts and um, making enough money at shows that we didn't need to fund everything in the band and we could actually donate money to a homeless shelter. Yeah. Like that meant a lot to me and that was something that I'm so glad that we did and hopefully we'll be remembered for because the reaction of those their faces at the, at the shelter when I'd go in and drop, like we donated thousands of dollars to them. Yeah. And I remember they, you, take, you used to take photos of the checks. Yeah, and that that wasn't wasn't to show off or to brag. It was no. just to show that yeah, your money was where your mouth was, kind of thing. Yeah, totally. And um, 
and there's a need for it and there is organisations out there that aren't, you know, funded by the government but, you know, wasting the money like they genuinely need it. They weren't funded by anyone. Yeah. That was all charity. Like they'd have days where like I think Tuesday afternoon was haircut day where other local businesses would donate their time and effort to, you know, give homeless people haircuts to try and help them out if they had job interviews and stuff like that and there was a a legal service that would help them and I just found that, you know, if we could give them some cash, that's all we could do. I mean, couldn't actually turn up and play a show for them. Yeah, probably, probably dig it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's probably going to make them more depressed. Yeah. want to make things worse. So, yeah, that, that was my – I think that was the culmination of all the bands I did together, what I wanted to do. And um, hopefully the others were on board and no one ever stopped me from doing it, so – it's one of those things that's just like it makes too much sense to do it. Yeah. But no one did it. Yeah. And I remember like getting zines and stuff from the from the late 90s and, you know, I think there was like flyers for shows in the States where it was like donate a can of food or yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure some happened around Sydney and stuff. But yeah. get Or get, like, in, yeah, get, in, get in the show cheaper with a can of food. Yeah. It's like that totally changed like. Yeah. And yeah, I just – that social justice part really um, something that meant a lot to me and I thought, oh, it's something I can do to make a difference in the world. I'll do that for a little bit. And there's Have a, a gap in the market for it again. Yeah, there's a massive gap, isn't there? It's, yeah. time, it's time to bring it back, Dave. Yeah, it is, it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, We're almost getting a bit too old. Yeah. Cool. So um, before we pick a song, I just want to say thanks heaps. Oh, thank I just you. like, you know, we've been talking about this for fucking ages. Yeah, we have. And I completely understand why you might be hesitant or you may have been hesitant to do it or. Oh, I just thought my story was rubbish, but I was yeah. looking forward to the Mexican fiesta. Oh, dude, I'm so full. Oh. <laughs> and, I th- and I get to take some of that cake home. Oh, there's a lot of cake to take oh, home. Good. Very good. We'll post links for the, um, for the shelter. Yeah. Um, if people want to donate to it, that would be, you know, that yeah, would be unreal. Yeah, please do. Coming up to Christmas. Yeah. Even the little things go towards um, yeah. stuff that Everything we counts. take for granted. Yeah. yeah. It's a pair of socks or a bit of laundry powder. Yep. Um, let's talk about your last song. My last song is I had to do something Australian. Cool. Something that's kind of current. Yeah. Something that's consistently, that consistently delivers. Yep. Mine snare. The snare. Yeah. Nightstick. From Unholy Rush. So this is their latest. Yeah, the last LP they released. I think they it was just last keep year. getting harder and harder. Oh man. Like it's out of control. Yeah. It's so good. Like and it I I'm baffled like oh, that, I just don't know how more people aren't into it. But like you know, bands get older, slow down, get more rock. Whatever. Yeah. Not those guys. No. Like they're the Benjamin Buttons. Oh. <laughs> like a hardcore. It's criminal. Yeah. It's criminal. But you know what? If anyone's going to do it, those dudes. Yeah. Man, they're just nice dudes. Like t- probably too nice. Amazing band. Amazing live. Amazing recorded. Everything about it's just. Untouchable. Yeah. Undisputed Kings. And the, with the shows, less is more like. Every show is an event. Yeah. Like I remember a time in the 
I think it was very late 90s or early 2000s when they didn't play in Sydney for ages. Okay. And then they toured with Vision of Disorder came out. Oh, yeah, yep. And we were so stoked just to see Mind Snare and Vision of, like, Vision of Disorder, whatever. Like, we weren't really into them, but yep. just to see Mind Snare was so good. Yeah. And then those times where they kind of weren't really playing, Within Blood played more, it was like, there's a little stopgap, but Mind Snare just... Eyes of Kings. Yeah. Yeah. This song's Winter. Second song from Unholy Rush. Let's do it. If that doesn't get you moving, nothing will. Thank you so much. No worries. I'm Thank so you, mate. Stoked. Oh, likewise. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, My Age Podcast on Instagram, uh, Facebook. Tell a mate, tell a friend, tell a parent, tell a relative, grab their phone, search for the, um, search and subscribe to the podcast on the podcast app of their choosing. Um, What else? If you feel like donating a dollar, um, paypal.me slash myagepodcast. I'll also post the links of... um, the station that Dave mentioned. So if you feel like donating some 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 money to them, you know, especially around Christmas, every every dollar's obviously um, welcomed. Um, yeah. Otherwise, not sure what I'm going to do next month. I've got a 
kind of idea, but I've also got a pod, last minute podcast in the in the works. So you might get two next month. You might get you definitely get a special different one. Like last year, I did the mini podcast. Um, this year is going to be something similar, um, but a bit different. You know how it is. Um, otherwise, cool. Take it easy. Peace. Everybody knows Everybody knows that you love me, baby Everybody knows that you really do Everybody knows that you've been faithful I'll give or take a night or two Everybody knows you've been discreet But there were so many just had to meet without your clothes And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it